we're all watching oh yeah hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the sega nerdcast this is episode 48 i'm graham cooks and the european editor of sega nerds um and with me this week we've got a great show we've got well we've got the usual chris pal our editor say hi chris hello we've got cop k say hello he, as he's, oh no, as he crashed, he really failed. <laughs> failed the first I, am, I am the magnificent hockey, I'm here again! <laughs> Brilliant. And with us this week, we've got some great guests. We've got the basically the Summer of Sonic team. We've got um, Sven. Hello, how you doing? Oh, hey dude. Uh, we've got Kevin. Hi guys. Rory. Hello. And Adam. How are you doing? Yo guys, how's it all going? You, you guys are good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> well. <laughs> Enthusiasm. That's what we're one by no, one. Before before this show started, we were currently saying like, "Oh, there's so many people on here. So how do we decide who talks?" So I think now everyone's just kind of waiting for someone to talk and be really polite. So, so it's not that we're not enthusiastic. It's because we're trying to be really polite and not really make polite. It sound it's like because you're English. Really British. Yes. Yeah. It's a very British show this week, which is fantastic. I love yeah, we were saying before this is the uh, the most British of the show's ever been. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna take over. We're gonna take back America, man. We'll see. <laughs> One podcast at a time. Yeah, you'll be wearing red coats soon. <laughs> New York, you're next. Man. <laughs> I do well, wish I was just drinking some tea. That's all. <laughs> I guess even more British. It'll probably end up like Gettysburg anyway, so everyone will be dead by the end of the show. <laughs> Oh man! Um, unfortunately, this week because we've got so many people, we're actually going to skip through the what we've been doing. I know you're going to love. You'd love to hear my normal work stories, guys. But uh, yeah, let's. <laughs> I think we should move on with the show. What do you think, Chris? I think you're right. That's a good good yeah. choice by you, Graham. Oh uh, yeah, thanks, thanks. <laughs> we didn't plan that before. <laughs> cool. Let's go. Oh, let's start off with the the, the feedback or mailbag. Uh, we got quite a, well. Uh, if anyone listened to the show last week, you'd realise how ridiculous it was. We had the guys from Sega Addicts on, um, and Chris was getting pretty uh, pretty wasted, really. I promised <laughs> uh, myself before we uh, started the show that I was not going to drink anymore, and uh, you see how long that lasted. So uh, I'm drinking again. Uh, I, I do want to say I should probably apologise if I offended anyone uh, last week. I did attribute every offensive thing, though, on the Sega Addicts guys, so uh, technically it was all of them saying anything uh, offensive so if you're you're offended blame it on Sega Addicts uh, not us they were the yeah, ones pa- who did pass it pass the buck yes absolutely <laughs> yeah, so, just, just so you know guys the more involved you are with Sega and Sega related matters the more likely you are to drink copious amounts of alcohol <laughs> Kevin is a man talking of that. which I have brought some pirate rum oh Kraken I love yeah, it that, that is, is my the favorite stuff of kings rum. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I've had, I've had a circle here for easy access. <laughs> I like to uh, take two of them and then, like, kind of flip them out by my side, like the revolvers, and spin them around and then, sh- like, s- smash them at people as they get very drunk. I One should have the- mixed it. <laughs> I know this show's just going to get a whole lot more interesting. Rory and being drunk. <laughs> is, you don't know what you let yourselves in for. Oh god. <laughs> Control your virus, man. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, he I'm... no longer lives near me. I have no control over him now. <laughs> like his bowel control, it is gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Anyway, back to the mailbag. Sorry, the reason why I brought that up was that we got a message from the Requiem95. Uh, we love this guy. He's always messaging anything. He's coming um, over so- my house in a little bit, actually. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can we see him? Why? I want to know what he looks like. So do I. He's a strapping lad. Yeah, I, I imagine he's got a six-pack and he oils himself up every day and just comes around. And he looks very American. <laughs> we don't like Americans. They, they, they fought us for our land. And this, is, this is the British show now. This is our opinion. Dirty Americans soiling our programming. Oh, no. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Anyway, Requiem said, sorry guys, Requiem said, oh my god, Chris, you were drunk as fuck. Um, and he does, does a, he does a quote from the show which was like, oh shit, Graham, they're calling you out, motherfucker. Um, I was laughing my ass off on driving home today. Uh, yeah, cheers, dude. Um, as Chris said, he hopefully will like, not be drinking as much, but it was pretty good. Um, <laughs> I am going to drink as much. And Isidus so um, said, that new nerdcast went to a weird place, and I like it. <laughs> we like you, so yeah. <laughs> he was the one that uh, made our intro the uh, the the sex toy nerd intro. Oh god! <laughs> uh, that was a better. I think that was a better version of the the opening tune. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, right. Should we go on to the main bit, Chris? You up for Let's this? Let's do it. I, I think yeah. so. I, I hope so. Yeah. So. Main main point of the show, we got an interview with the SOS guys, the sexy Summer of Sonic guys there. Um, I was just thinking, should we have a quick flip around and actually uh, introduce you guys properly? Um, like go through each one. Like so Sven, like tell us very quickly about yourself if you can. Uh, thanks for actually saying our names because I think yeah. <laughs> each one of us would just wait for the other to speak. Um, hello, uh, I'm Sven. Um, I am the creator, founder, co-organizer uh, for many years of Summer of Sonic uh, alongside uh, Kevin Eva, who's also on the show. Hello, Kevin. Um, Hi. Basically. Uh, yeah, we, we created uh, the Summer of Sonic as it as everyone knows it as the um, convention kind of affair. Uh, it started off as you guys are going to talk about in a little while as a kind of website thing, which was my my kind of design. Um, other than that, I uh, was the founder of the Sonic Stadium, which is a rather cool Sonic website. You should go watch it and visit it and everything. And um, yeah, multiple other things. I've had like fingers in loads of pies in the Sonic community wow. and, uh, and and done with of Sega related stuff in the past so hello cool. there we go awesome and Kevin let's go on to you next um, a little bit about yourself man if you can okay uh, hi everybody uh, my name is Kevin Eva I'm also known as uh, Archange UK or AAUK um, for a number of years I was the Sega Europe community manager in charge of Sonic related matters and a whole bunch of other things as well which we won't go into um, <laughs> but uh, yeah if you, if you were in European hours and were talking to Sega on Twitter or Sega on Facebook it was probably me um, I I'm the uh, editor, creator of Sonic Rex. Um, I'm getting usage out of this banner whilst Sonic Rex still exists, technically, because <laughs> it's dying very soon. Completely. Oh, why? And, um, and I'm the current editor of Last Minute Continue, which is its successor, and I am the co, uh, co-creator, or co-organizer at the very least, uh, of the uh, Summer of Sonic event as it stands and initially and how it's developed. Awesome. So, so did you say Sonic Rex is closing down? You missed that memo. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I did. We, 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 we
Um, it, 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 it'll hit its 10th birthday. Technically, it's already had its 10th birthday, but its official 10th birthday is 4th of July, at which point in time, pretty much all vestiges of it will go. Oh, oh, I'm no. pouring a drink for you, Kev, and Sonic Rex. <laughs> yes, it's Coke, years. but it's... 10 years. Oh, I have rum! Two so Sonic Rex! i go and do other things on Valencia. Oh, I'm actually slightly sad now. I don't want to carry on. <laughs> that, that was pretty much my fault. I, ne I never actually knew Last Minute Continue was you. I've been watching it for a bit, but I haven't. I just never knew. <laughs> how how, how <laughs> proud is that? <laughs> I, I've just noticed as well the Phoenix image. That's bloody Pete, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I've been watching. Did you just go through all this time going, that guy sounds familiar? <laughs> yeah, basically. I was, More I just, people know! Yeah, I just thought oh, I must be because I've watched a lot of uh, things like Game Grumps as well. I just thought oh, I must be thinking that it's familiar because it's English instead of American. Because <laughs> we all sound the same, don't we? Well, of course we do. <laughs> we all have tea with the Queen on two p.m. every Wednesday. I just say, Rory, you look impeccably like Jon Snow. Oh, isn't he old? No, no. What? He's no, 60. Rory, that's a massive compliment. Just He's like, like so Rory knows nothing. So oh, you know what? He does know from. nothing. You know. Oh, nothing. sorry. I thought you... I know the guy you mean now. I've just looked. Oh, you thinking like the Game of Thrones? Yeah, I was thinking about the newsreader, John Snow. I was like, you fucking look like John Snow. Oh God! Why would you think of that guy? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I haven't watched Game of Thrones, so everyone. Oh. Somebody says you look like Jon Snow. The only reference I've got is the dude from BBC <laughs> from Channel Four News. <laughs> you need to watch Game of Thrones, then. I think that's that's the moral of the the story here. I'm not really into watching other people shagging, but I. Should it's a bit more than that. It's other people killing each other as well. So it's great. I've been watching the Vikings instead. That is a good show as well. Yes. Anyway, I am I am here to represent SOS past. <laughs> So it's probably better that the present introduces itself. Starting with Adam, I would say. Well, I'm let Rory introduce himself yet. Have you introduced yourself, Bob Jon Snow? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm Jon Snow. I have been in Game of Thrones. And I've... Uh, but you, you may remember me more so from my more famous act of uh, helping with Summer of Sonic uh, for many years. Uh, no, my name is actually Rory Johnson. Uh, and I'm known online as Rory Black. Uh, people may remember me online, very unlikely, but from uh, the Sonic Spriters Network, uh, which I used to run, uh, basically tried to make a tutorial site for sprite work when that was still the in thing. Uh, that sort of died on its ass now, because <laughs> even the portable games are all 3D, so <laughs> that's that's died a death. But um, yeah, no, so it, I, I, what, uh, I started off on Summer of Sonic just as a photographer, actually, for the first year because I didn't really have anything else to contribute and I ended up being pulled on stage for my birthday and things like that and then each consequent year I just seem to have done more and more um, yeah so we can talk about more of that in depth as we go but yeah that's that's me <laughs> brilliant <laughs> I actually I actually totally forgot to say by the way um, how I'm known online as because Kevin was like oh no 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 as and I was like Do oh you shit know I've completely I forgot to say uh, no it's not that <laughs> shut up um, <laughs> if you don't know who I am uh, then I'm known online as Dreadnoughts that's all I wanted to say go away <laughs> you are a smug man I'm not a smug man <laughs> you are the smuggest man a little bit, I'm a little bit smug got every right to be yeah, it's true. 
And Adam. <laughs> yeah, so we're kind of the A team, aren't we? We've got Kevin, who's kind of Hannibal, and then Sven's kind of the pretty one. And then we're always <laughs> oh, the pretty one! I don't even get a name. <laughs> I don't even get a name. I love it. <laughs> Not even Mr. T. I ain't doing no summer Sonic convention pool, and then we have the doing ones. But uh, you know, I, lo I love I love you as Mr. T. Actually, T. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> I, I, I think my catchphrase would be, "I'm fantastically relieved the plan has come together." <laughs> <laughs> you dress the woman when you say that as well, Kevin. So incognito or something. So. What, what I love. What I love about it is we would literally be the British version of the A-Team. Rather than having a big, muscly black guy, we'd just have a northerner. <laughs> <laughs> they would actually be called the Z-Team, though. That would make the most sense. No, because A, for in Britain, we used to be called Angleland, and uh, it, you, had, you, had, you had the god of England, which was Albany. So we deserve the A. Ah. <laughs> it would be even better, though, if you were... Canadian, it could be the A team. The A, A guy. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> Shut your face, Anka. Ah. Uh, so was that your introduction, Adam? Is that is that what you're doing? I think that's all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's the crazy man. <laughs> the crazy one. Um, I guess, uh, well, yeah. So I was, I'm kind of editor in chief at Sonic Stadium, although that's kind of a, I sort of just float around the hallways like a ghost there now. And uh, I'm currently co-organizer co of Summer of Sonic. Uh, I was previously stage manager until Sven and Kevin went bye-bye. So I took over from then. And, uh, I was taking the back and shot, so they're about to say bye-bye. Kevin -bye. <laughs> 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 out back gave them both barrels, and then this year. <laughs> I am, I am the team. old geller of Summer of Sonic. <laughs> Sven's like talk and the other we went <laughs> shovel. <laughs> God. Anyway. He gave me a, an honourable death. <laughs> we gave you so, pink. So they're gonna be me me or Rory's next. <laughs> so, horrific game of thrones. But no he's John Snow he's gonna survive to the end, isn't he? I'm gonna die. I'm probably gonna get eaten by a dragon. You, the most you should hope for is uh, being in a van going over a cliff that explodes or something in a spectacular <laughs> way. I, I think um, it, it now starts to have some really positives for me, uh, knowing that I will forever be a Channel 4 news anchor, um, <laughs> and therefore immortalised like Jon Snow. <laughs> I love it. Man, cool. Um, anyway, let's 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 crack on the interview properly, guys. Um, sorry, it's, um, I think. <laughs> All I think right then, whatever. <laughs> By the way, we're really sorry for wasting everyone's time. We're going to be taking up like about this is going to be a three-hour show, knowing how long the bloody Sonic Hour goes. Me, Rory, do it. Jesus. Oh, no. <laughs> um, we were think... we were actually asking. I actually asked before you joined in. Actually, Sven, I asked if there was any rules with swearing in regards to swearing. The guy said no. No, I, I just said I oh, because. And we're not particularly very good at that because I and I recall the fact that we did the um, the Sonic Hour that we tried to do without any swearing. Oh god! And I think I lasted twelve minutes before I dropped the f bomb because you started talking about Metal Gear Solid, and I could I couldn't let that slide. <laughs> I think that that episode started off in earnest and it just went right downhill. 
He still created for me one of my favourite Lyle the Bear episodes where I had to somehow talk about him crapping on someone's head without using any swear words. And, uh, <laughs> so the word I used was fertilised over their face. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is this is a Sega Nerd show. <laughs> is, it, is it though? Um... Okay, I think I think really first of all, guys, we're gonna have to like uh, get you to tell us exactly how you guys, or how or why you first became like fans of Sonic the Hedgehog. Really, um, I don't know if you want to go in different order or. I think yeah. you should totally uh, dictate who goes first. Okay, cool. you, you cool. tell us. Tell oh, us okay. why you love Sonic so much, or how you became a fan, and why I love. Well, actually, it might be easier how, if I just. Why? Let, I'll give you like the cliff notes version because every time I talk about this it, it goes on forever um, but yeah like basically uh, I became a massive Sonic fan when I was like uh, six years old when my friend had like a Mega Drive and uh, a Mega Drive was denied to me because money and stuff uh, I'd saved up so much money pocket money when I was a kid uh, looking at this Mega Drive or Genesis if you prefer um, with Sonic 1 and I was enthralled by the colours and the animation and everything and I wanted to get it so I remember saving up like £40, which is literally a nothing, because a Mega Drive at that time cost about 100 quid. Um, <laughs> and I went to the shop, and I, I remember putting down all my money, and I was going, I want a Sega, I want a Sega. And of course, at that time in the UK, there were two Sega consoles available at the time. There was the Master System, which was more within my price range, and a Mega Drive. And uh, the guy at the shop looked at how much I had, thought, this kid can't be that dumb wanting a Mega Drive <laughs> with 40 quid. So he goes and brings me a, uh, a Master System and goes, is this what you want and I, I knew it wasn't what I wanted and I was about to go get lost old man I got no time for you but then I saw uh, on the box it had like Sonic on the on the cover with his little wagging finger going you know you want death so um, I ended up buying it and um, to this day uh, you know the Sonic games have been uh, something that have really captured my imagination in terms of you know story as in a story that's not told you know it's something mm. that's told through the gameplay uh, and the environment you know as you play through from Green Hill Zone to Scrap Brain Zone um, it becomes an environmental message that's very much like here's green and here's this fat guy fucking it all up um, so uh, you know and it wasn't like really uh, cheesily told or anything like that it was told through you bopping badniks and hitting fat men uh, so uh, you know that, that really uh, spoke to me on some bizarre level um, so yeah I've been a massive Sonic fan ever since obviously it led to me making the Sonic Stadium when I was 15 years old god where Whoa. does the time go um, yeah I made, I made that website when I was like um, uh, 15 years old in my 11th year at school uh, people thought I was crazy uh, and yeah to be honest I, I actually was um, but I started my online Sonic life about uh, 1999 with Rory actually um, we both uh, started looking around uh, the internet it was a brand new thing for us then at school and we were like there can't be any Sonic fans because we get ridiculed at school like every kid I suppose has the same story they're at school they're the only guys who like Sonic blah 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 um, and so we looked on the internet typed in Yahoo which was the big thing at the time Google wasn't oh, yeah. the thing and it, it was like Sonic the Hedgehog and I was expecting there to be like you know little Jimmy Jim Bob Sonic page which was like you know had one visit but to my surprise there was like this massive community of, of uh, websites and there was like you know Sonic HQ um, which I think is still going kind of revitalised itself the Sonic Foundation and uh, the Moogle Cavern which was like a hybrid site between Final Fantasy and Sonic and Dragon Ball Z um, and that was where me and Rory found our internet home for a bit before I started my website so 
Um, that's kind of how it started, um, and I guess I gave you a little bit as to why I'm a massive Sonic fan too, uh, in in the fact that the games were actually uh, back then really, really very good. And of course, Sonic was just freaking everywhere, right? He was he was a massive superstar. Um, kids these days probably, or even in the Sonic Adventure days, probably wouldn't know it, but. Back in the nineties, being a kid was freaking amazing. If you were a Sonic fan, it was he was literally everywhere. Uh, Sega had a, in the UK an indoor amusement park called Sega World, which oh, is basically so Sonic merch. I never went, which always breaks my heart every time I think about it. Um, oh, merchandise <laughs> up the wazoo, uh, and you know TV shows, uh, comics, and I remember distinctly about eight years old trying to get Milky Way bars. They're different in America, but over here they're more light and fluffy uh, chocolate bars but they had like this brand promotion where it was when Sonic and Knuckles came out there was this massive you know buy these 15p chocolate bars and in the wrapper you can hopefully maybe but maybe not win a Mega Drive so I was like that was me every day after school just buying like shitloads of Milky Way bars and probably not I was wondering why I never got fat but um, yeah it was just a massive phenomenon as a brand so that's why it stuck with me for so long awesome wow Brilliant. Sorry, <laughs> I, I, don't, I did tell you it took forever, so really sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite the tale. <laughs> Kevin, what about you? Um, <clears throat> Similar-ish story, I, I guess. A bit less chocolate involved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> A surprise. I was... Um, I came to Sega and, and Sonic in a very similar way, although I actually came via the cartoons, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog series, um, which showed on Channel 4 early, early, early on a Sunday morning, I believe. Saturday. Saturday. Well, yeah, it should be Saturday. No, I'm, sure I'm sure it was Sunday, actually. But, they rotated both. Oh. I was always awake. Well, I, I, remember, I, remember, I, remember, I remember it being Sundays because I had a football match, usually, with the uh, side I played for. So um, it was more likely. So I, I remember that, but it was, it was like, oh, fantastic, which means we've either got Street Sharks or Sharky and George before it. And then we got <laughs> oh, <I love> Sharky. <laughs> Sharky and George, the crime busters of the sea. Yeah, they're sort of any mystery, but not wide So there was that, and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I was involved in Sega, and there was mem- there was numerous um, friends of, of mine, you know, that had um, that had Sega consoles. One of the kids in my primary school, my primary school class near me, uh, who lived near me, had a Mega Drive and had Sonic Two. Uh, and of course, everyone queued up um, at his house to have the honour of playing his tales. So that's uh, so that that was sorry. It's sort of then it came to Christmas, and I had the opportunity to get myself a proper games console. Um, and it could be a, you know, I could get a Game Boy or a, or a Sega Game Gear, and I chose a Game Gear because you know, it was it was colour and it had Sonic on it, and in case that was a big thing, and. Um, I had Sonic Triple Trouble and I had Sonic 2. Sonic 2 was a piece of ass. Um, and Sonic Triple Trouble is still one of the best games I've ever played. And yeah, it, it, that continued on, and then I sort of phased away from that a bit. Um, and I came in, came back to uh, Sonic at the time of Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, which I, got, which I have got on the GameCube. 
um, enjoyed that immensely, so I got back into Sonic that way, and it just so happened that one day I was doing an all-nighter at university, I was, I was slightly older, um, and I, I stumbled across, I just decided to type in Sonic the Hedgehog, and I ended up on this, this website called the Sonic Stadium. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And they just had these things called the Sonic Sight Awards. And it's, you know, I was looking through, and there was a thing for, you know, Sprite Comics, best Sprite Comics. And I looked at it, and I, and I it was a very poignant moment because I said out loud, Jesus, that's crap. <laughs> <laughs> to the, to the, the poor person who won, and it's like, I could do better than that. And then, of course, that stuck in the head. And then. And a little while later, it just so happens in 2004, um, Sonic Rex came about. And the rest, as they say, is boring. <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh, God. Um, okay, yeah, Rory, I guess. Yeah, go for it. Uh, okay, well, growing up with Sven meant that um, I, I was never initially not the one that into video gaming, which is ironic because I now have 32 consoles and fuck loads of games. you got more than um, me. Hell yeah, I stole all your stuff. Uh, <laughs> That's a point. Do you still have my copy of Mystical Ninja starring Goman, you dick? <gasps> I love that game. Obi-Wan, coaches. <laughs> I want it back. <laughs> no. Uh, I will trade you for Mario Kart 64 because that currently goes for 35 quid just cartridge. That's mental. You can oh, suck off. I bought, both, I, bought, I bought Mystical Ninja. That's my game. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> sorry, carry on. Anyway, we'll we'll, we'll talk trade later. Um, yeah, trade basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, but there's no the. Uh, oh, you've put me in a fluster. No, I, I was <laughs> I was always interested in <laughs> I was always interested in trains. I was a lame kid, and I was like, I must play with the trains, and uh, I wanted to buy the trains and play with all the trains. And then uh, Sven was like, no, we would play the Master System. And uh, Sonic won over and over again, which I found out more recently, like within the last 10 years, the music was done by Yuzo Koshiro. And it's amazing! Uh, but yeah, basically I, I was playing that and, and thus the naughtiness began. Uh, you know, there, there was quite a few things that wrapped around that. I'm not going to go into everyone in detail, but I remember a couple of sweet things from when we were younger. One of which was um, Sven... Sven is, was always the one to lay in. Uh, like he never wanted to wake up early. But that's I still had, true today. <laughs> it is, but I had special permission to wake him up on weekend mornings <laughs> for the Sonic the Hedgehog TV show. He God. would go, yeah. And do you not remember this? Because I do. If I, I do. Because Sven is one of those people that he can sleep through a bombing in the local streets. But my breathing is too much, and <laughs> so I'd have to leave the room. And so, because I'm always, I'm the sort of person that wakes up early, goes to bed early, he was the opposite. And that never changed after 20 odd years. And, um, but yeah, when we were younger, Sven was like, oh, well, I want to be up in time to watch Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog and, you know, the Sonic series. And I was like, well, you're never going to make it because you're going to sleep until nine. It'll be gone by then. He was like, you can wake me up. And he wasn't always easy to wake up because he'd go, you wanted me to wake you up, Sonic. Arr! Okay, see you down there. And uh, if he come down late, I remember once, I woke him up, and he was like, like, okay, cool. I went downstairs, he came down, he was about five to ten minutes late, he was like, it's already started. I was like, 
You were late. <laughs> <laughs> I picked you up 20 minutes ago. I love how you make me sound like a foghorn. I was just saying. You are a foghorn. <laughs> actually, uh, actually, um, while have we're on the subject seen of me in and, the morning, while we're actually on the subject of me and sleep, I actually have a really big confession to make. Um, earlier today, I ended up uh, wanting a cat nap, so I ended up having a cat nap on a Sunday, Saturday afternoon, and um, I, well, I actually got up because I was like, "Oh, I wonder what the time is." And uh, the last thing I saw was uh, Graham going, "Hey, we're just about to push the thing," and it was quarter past eight, and I was like, "Oh my fucking god, I slept through the whole fucking shit." So um, if we're a little bit late, blame me because I slept. <laughs> But um, yeah, so there was that. The other thing I remember was, um, I'm sure everyone had this, every, everyone, even young kids now, um, but we had a set amount of time we were allowed to play on the games consoles. <clears throat> we weren't allowed to breach that. Breach that. Um, and I, I'm not sure if they still have it nowadays for most kids, but we certainly had it. And um, our parents did something that I think was accidental, but pure genius, which was they gave us a television which was massive. I mean, this was an epic-sized television. I mean, you're talking about an old-style CRT, big-back thing, but it must have been about 28 inches, which back then was monstrous for a tiny bedroom. It was huge. But it had a little bit of a problem. And the problem was volume. Uh, You see, it had a, a manual dial where you turn it up or down. And you'd start off and you'd turn it all the way down to minimum when you weren't allowed to press it. <laughs> of course, video game consoles back then didn't make any noise, no fans, so great. You get away with it. But the, te- the television could change its volume at whim without turning the dial. <laughs> and uh, so we'd be playing it going, they'll never know. Start playing Sonic, everything's completely muted. And all of a sudden just go, it, it'd go from li- it could go from literally zero volume to 100% volume like that. Without any form of, si- without no knowledge. It wouldn't it'd let you have any like forewarning of it. So you'd be sitting there, just go. No, 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 no! You so you turn it all off, and you lie on the bed, and be like, oh, "Yeah, I'll never find out." And of course, they can't. They've heard everything by that point. It'd be, it'd be hilarious as well if he did it on the Sega Choir because it did that a few times. We'd go, "They'll never know." Turn it on, Sega. Hundred percent, so we were just singing it. Oh. <laughs> so I remember that from my youth. Um, as as we've gotten older, so as Sven mentioned, our first proper hangout was the Moogle Cavern back in 2000 and 2000. I joined a little bit later, I think 2001. Um, and uh, yeah, so we joined that sort of community. Sven started setting off with Sonic Stadium, trying to do his, build his own stuff. I was never that together. Um, I liked. I always wanted to be a great artist, and but I have one core problem, which is I suck. So uh, what? So, but I, f- I found with sprites, I could be extremely accurate and get rid of any mistakes I'd made, which was always the problem when I tried to do proper art. I'd be like, I made a mistake. Whereas with the computer, I just went click, it's gone. So um, I found that quite therapeutic. I got quite good at it and built up SSN from that. Um, but the one thing I did do quite a lot was I did a lot of, and this is now twisted from a lot of people online, but it was completely clean when we were younger, um, which is RPing, role-playing, which is where you'd do a story on a forum and you'd follow, like, one person posts and then another person posts to follow up. Um, And I did that quite a bit until about 2004, 2005. Um, And that sort of started getting me into how I wanted to do my writing. Uh, Got me through university where I sort of learnt about writing and got distinctions and scripts and stuff and uh, I'm now publishing a book this year so I have a lot outside of Summer of Sonic I've got quite a bit to thank the community for even if it was you know even if it was just a a subsidiary thing that helped it you know I I wouldn't have had that 
knowledge and interaction of how I prefer to build a story because you also learn from when you did it wrong so I've had a lot of experience writing stories even at a completely amateur level um, based on doing that and then reading someone's response and if I didn't like their response it would give me a chance to look at it and go I wonder why I hate it and then like rework it so um, yeah quite happy with that we'll talk about Summer of Sonic in a bit but you uh, you were asking about how we got involved and that was our, that was my in, as it were. I was a bit less in your face than uh, Kevin and Sven, who obviously <laughs> have have got their own websites and are flinging phallus in face. Brilliant, yeah. And uh, oh yeah, good luck with the book. I keep seeing you post that on Facebook. Actually, I'm like 29th July, my friends. Imperial Nova. Net. <laughs> <laughs> websites up now. <laughs> plug, shameless plug. <laughs> Cool. Um, Adam. Not yeah, where do, where do I start? After? How do I follow that? <laughs> I like how um, Rory and Sven paint themselves out to be like sort of Bert and Ernie. They've been in the same <laughs> sort of, uh... we, we actually did show a room for 20 years, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's like, oh, the crumbs of each other's bed, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sort of... I'll try to keep this sort of truncated. Uh, I sort of got my Mega Drive on Christmas Day, and I, it was sort of a, a secret my parents hadn't told me. And they're like, oh, do you want to go and check the back room? I think there's another present. So we went to the back room, and of course, just uh, tore the wrapping paper off with this Mega Drive. First came in, it was Sonic. And my dad was insistent, he went, no, no, I'm going to play it first. And he managed to kill himself three times on the first move <laughs> in Great Hill Zone, which is impressive. He actually now looks a bit like Dr. Eggman, so we're wondering whether he did that on purpose. Anyway, that was, sort of, that was the point That was the point of I was just hooked on the game, and I think it was the, the music. Again, what's, as, as sort of reiterating what Sven said, I think the environments were particularly exciting, but the, the music was always the thing that got me, and that's kind of been the vein of things that I've, I've stuck with and I got involved with a, a small website called Jinsonori.com. Jinsonori is one of the guitarists, uh, he's did a lot of work, he's been the sort of the uh, chief sound engineer on, in charge of all the sound production from Sonic Adventure I think and um, I met him in London uh, I think it was about seven or eight years ago now uh, and I interviewed him and just out of pure chance this was the, the first year of Summer of Sonic when it was in its online incarnation and I got to just Sven, I said, look, I've just interviewed Jensen Lloyd, do you want this interview? And he was like, yeah, yes, send it over. And we kind of got talking from then, and I think it was uh, two, three months later we met in Nottingham. for a, It was a performance with uh, Richard Jakes. Oh, brilliant. Was doing, doing a whole musical suite, and we all yeah. got sat down. That was the first time uh, Sven, Kevin, and myself all sat down. And it was, I think one of the first things we talked about was uh, we gone sort of, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could have some sort of Site the Hedgehog convention, oh, yeah, you know, and sort of doing that whole, wouldn't it be great, you know, if we could move to the moon sort of thing? And then I think it was two years later we were actually doing the damn thing. So, and it's, it's I wouldn't say it's grown. I'd say it's spiraled rapidly out of control since. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the history for me. But as I said, the music's kind of a big thing, and merchandise. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker. I'm a child of the '90s. I was brought up on buying things, and you know, trying. Sonic statues and things like that. So it's just as as my wallet's expanded, I've just bought bigger and bigger things. So and that's isn't part of what keeps me enticed in the whole franchise. 
It's interesting you mentioned uh, the first meet-up with the Richard Jakes event. I wasn't at that particular one, but I remember you guys sort of met by chance there, um, just because you all happened to be going to see Richard Jakes, obviously. Um, and after that, there was a scheduled meet-up at Video Games Live. Uh, sort of not for, the, for the first Video Games Live, we actually scheduled not just to go, but to actually meet up and spend the event together. Um, and that was when I'd sort of stepped in because I wasn't available for the Richard Jakes concert. Um, I would have gone. I would have gone. Damn you. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, yeah. So that was the first time we'd all, as the four of us, met up, um, and it was the first time it had been sort of arranged. I think I'm not. I could be wrong. I don't know if you guys arranged to meet at Richard Jakes concert. Yeah. But... yeah, yeah <laughs> oh, you did. Okay, then I'm talking. I'm talking shit. But um, <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, uh, it was. It's interesting that you know you, you the, the other three guys met up first, and then I joined in, and the second meet up was just the four of us. There are other people there that are still involved in the Sonic community that we see usually every year at Summer of Sonic. But as far it, it's, I just find it quite strange that the sort of first three or four guys that met up are sort of become the ones that have led the charge, I suppose, in a weird way for Summer of Sonic. Um, obviously, starting with Sven and Kevin, um, but. It, I, I just find that quite a strange thing to to note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, sorry. Um, ah, yeah, I just just lost where we were. My cat just jumped on my lap and. We're on uh, question two, Graham. Excellent. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> Man, um, I think I think one thing we are gonna have to ask because you're such big like Sonic fans, you've been in the community for such a long time. Though, like, why do you think Sonic, even though like let's face it, he's had some pretty poorly reviewed titles in like, in recent years. Like, why do you think he's remained so popular? He still seems to have like such a massive fan base outside the games and even with the games as well. Still, even though they've been reviewed quite poorly. I mean, like, why? What do you guys think? Like, why why it's still like that? Really. Uh, let's got, start with Sven. Sorry, I'm aiming at someone now. <laughs> Sven, go for it. Oh, well, that's a pretty nebulous question, really. I mean, Sonic has always been quite um, quite popular. I mean, I mean, half of it is just, like, the nature of franchises, right? Like, it's you spend enough marketing dollars trying to push something out there and it's going to you know it's going to connect with a fan base for you know many many years to come but i think the reason why sonic has um kind of stood the test of time amongst uh, all other kind of you know wannabes you know sonic was like the first wasn't the first platformer but it was certainly like the first anthropomorphic animal character that ha happened to be in a platforming game but um i think uh, you know the games as a starting point were actually really quite good uh, as a base and then uh, as the, it kind of expanded to other mediums uh, they kind of respected the kind of world or lack of world that was there so for example the comics even in the, either the US or the UK um, the teams there had really no story to speak of with really to do uh, a big overarching uh, arc for the, which comics are most mostly known for, so um, they had a lot to play around with and a lot of gaps to fill in that they could, you know, use their imagination for, um, and that kind of helped grow, kind of a splinter fan base in a way. Like the Fleetway comics have their own kind of universe, the Archie comics have their own 
I think multiple universes now um, and then obviously that's not even counting the cartoons where as 90s kids they grew up watching you know Sat AM or AOSTH or God forbid even Sonic Underground so there's all these different kind of stories that kind of latch on to the main series and I think one of the reasons why Sonic has kind of endured um, no matter how long it's been is because of that, there are so many kind of ways to plug into the Sonic fan base uh, or the Sonic, you know, just franchise now. Um, it, Adam connected with the Sonic fan base mostly these days with merchandise, right? So that's even that's even another thing. So th there are all sorts of multiple different kind of entry points for those who just like comics, just like cartoons. Um, and it's true enough today than it was in the 90s. There may be less merchandise to speak of these days, but everything else is pretty much true. You can still get Archie comics. Uh, there's a you know, there's obviously Sonic Boom. There's a new TV show coming out. Um, you can still get the old ones on DVD. So uh, I think there's that element to it. But also, I think the uh, online community is really quite unlike any other um, that's out there. So I I don't think with the best will in the world. I mean, I, I love the. You know, all video game fan bases. I used to be a games journalist myself, and I write. I work for a, a games um, website publisher now. Um, but I think, with the best will in the world, the the Mario fan base probably couldn't get organised enough to do a summer of Sonic or something like that. I think it's mm. you have to be a certain kind of dedicated, passionate person to to be into a franchise like that with so many different facets and angles to to, to focus on. And I think. That's one of the positive reasons why Sonic has endured. There are there are multiple other, you know, kind of somewhat wonky or even negative reasons for that. But um, I like to focus on the positive because I'm rather an optimist. <laughs> nice, nice, cool. I mean, I I guess it's probably easy if we don't go through every single person. But I mean, do you guys, do you, rest of you guys, actually have anything else to add to that at all, or? It's a bit like following a football team, I think, you know, there's a, you have a few good seasons and you accrue a lot of fans, but, you know, regardless of how well you do, at some point you, you're going to have this die-hard core following that it's just regardless of your performance is going to be there, you know, every day, rain or shine, no matter what weather, they're, they're going to be there, they're going to follow it, and I think, so, you know, Sonic's one of these, he's just one of these characters who is just so enamoring, I think, in the fact that, again, as I said, the universe, the music, the colours, everything that surrounds it. I mean, as, as Sven said, there's a lot of people who have a sort of a niche they're in it because they like one particular aspect. And I think it's just going to, you know, regardless of how well, like, uh, you know, the newest game does, there's going to be poor games, but on the other hand, there's going to be good games. And I think, you know, I sort of got slated a little while ago for forgetting that Sonic Generations had come out and everybody loved that. I think, you know, it's the fact that it does it does get to the point where you sort of, you can sort of work yourself into a point where you go, oh, well, we're just going to lose this season. And I don't think that's that's the way, you know, some, you're not going to win all the time. And I don't think you are going to win all the time with every Sonic game, but I think there are a lot of younger fans joining the sort of the cohort of the community all the time. And they're joining for completely different reasons to why we joined. They probably there's some of there's probably some kids out there now who played Sonic Lost World and gone, this is the best game ever. <laughs> and now they're going to be a Sonic fan for the rest of their life. And anybody who says anything negative against that, they're going to sort of you know get very defensive about. But it is, I think it's like it's like following. I was going to follow a Man U now. Now they're not doing very well. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> this will mean nothing to Chris. <laughs> no, everybody knows who Man you are. Even the Americans uh, know who Man you are. I do know, I do know who they are. Yeah, see. Yeah. <laughs> so they go, they go, oh, are you, are you a Man U supporter? And you go, oh, which part of London are you from? So, uh, <laughs> that's only because I'm a bit of Newcastle United fan. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the football thing is a good analogy. I mean, there's always going to be people or, you know, video game fans at large that kind of go, oh, you're a Sonic fan. Oh, you must be the worst of the worst. You know, how, how does it feel? Like, you know, those crap Sonic games, huh? You know, Sonic and the Black Knight, what's that all about? And, and the truth is, it's like, as a fan, you can just go, yeah, it was crap. But, you know, it's there were some good games as well. And being a fan doesn't mean you have to blindly accept or like every single thing. And I think that's where some of the... Uh, to, to use, I don't know, some kind of... To, at risk of sounding like a direction fan, one direction had directioner or something, or a believer haters uh, say is, you know, they go, oh, you, you're a fan, that must be you must uh, agree to everything that Sonic is or was. And it's like, well, no, being a fan, much like being a football fan or something, is being able to roll with the punches, I suppose, and just liking it for what it, what its origins and what its, you know, intrinsic point is, rather than what each individual product is like, I suppose. I think you when can it comes take to... whatever you want from Sonic as a whole. There's, yeah. it, as, as, as Sven said, it's it's so diverse. You can take any aspect of it that you actually want, and and run with it. And while the things that Sega has done with Sonic over the years, uh, like it or not, is constantly reinvent Sonic. Whether mm. it's the, the type of the game, the direction of the game, the art style, uh, and and over time you've had these sort of landmark moments, which which Adam alluded to, where you've had a new push for a new a new generation of fans coming in. It happened with Sonic X, um, and all <laughs> and all the forums were full of people going, "Oh, these new Sonic X fans in here!" Yeah, it's like, yeah, and they're probably still there, you know, many years Don't later. Chris bashing buggers. Yeah, but 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 before that, it was those fans who came in with with adventure and and mm. and so on. And you're going to have this new generation of fans coming in. But it is a case of you know, there are so many different avenues you can take Sonic um, in whichever way you want and be a fan of a specific part of it. Yeah, yeah I, actually, um, I'm sorry. I just want to sort of yeah, quietly off since I'm the only bugger who hasn't spoken. Um, I just wanted to say that I think part of it that say I mean more, taking Mario as the opposite of Sonic, because let's be honest, they are the opposite of each other, have been for, since the beginning of the 90s. Um, the reason that Sonic endure, seems to endure more for fans in terms of active output, I'm not saying that Mario doesn't sell well, it really does, but um, it's the reason that the fans seem to be more active, I think, is number one, because of all of the aforementioned stuff, all of the, you know, the, the differences of generations, things like that, but I think one of the other the other points that holds is um, I think with the UK specifically in terms of UK fans we're a lot closer and that can be said the same as UK Mario fans however in the early 90s which is uh, when a lot of us started getting into video gaming with the Mega Drive SNES etc um, all of that sort of era was uh, dominated in the UK mostly by the Mega Drive rather than the SNES, unlike in America where it was the other way round. Mm. Um, so a lot of the sort of big 
maybe more active Mario fans are in America, where it's a lot harder to actually pull an event together because they're much more far, they're much further apart. However, another aspect that may hold them back when it comes to, if you look at the American audience is, and, and any Mario audience, is the current state of Mario is absolute. Uh, whereas that's not so much so in Sonic. You know, we, we look back at the 90s games and they're great. We look back at the Saturn games, either love them or hate them. Uh, you know, you look back at Sonic and you go, eh. Uh, you've got all of these different facets of Sonic that you can get into. And that's just the games. You've got, as you say, the comics, the music, everything else. Um, with Mario, they've got quite a rich tapestry that they never tap into. Um, it's always what's coming up with the next game, and that's linear. So mm. there's there's not really, and I, I, I just, I know this is going to sound a bit meh, but um, one of the sort of, there's a fan base that I do follow, and I mentioned this before we even started, which is Super Mario Brothers the movie, which everyone can, I'm sure, can agree is, is meh, but, uh... the, no, no, but can I just say, that is a section of the Mario fan base that official Mario fans would never <laughs> actually focus on, and I can understand why. But they are also one of the most active of the Mario fan bases that I've seen because they are actually doing uh, cinema meetups and they they get uh, they get props from the event from the film. They get um, people wow. that were involved in the movie to turn up for interviews, things like that. They are actually quite active, but obviously to a very small degree because there's not a huge amount of people that that big a fan of Super Mario Brothers the movie. But that's even though you've got this active part of the fan base with Sonic, that would be a part of the fan base. With Mario, it's completely disjointed. You've got the Mario games, and then you've got Super Mario Brothers movie, and they try and like sort of get get shot of it as far as possible. So, whereas with us, you've got a lot of active fans that group together to make an event like Summer of Sonic happen. With Mario, you've got a lot of different facets, some more active than others, but everyone's just like, no, no, you're you're below us, go away. And it's and that's why they can never really group together to actually get an event going. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, um, I was actually just gonna, cause you sort of, well, something that Kevin sort of brought up, and I guess I could actually follow off you there, Rory. When I went, she went to uh, Summer Sonic. Like I think the first couple of years, I was speaking to like the random people just around. I, I, I got the impression that like, pretty much as you said, Rory, like everyone sort of seems to sort of be together. Like doesn't matter what sort of type of Sonic you like or what, where you came into it, everyone seems to get along because. As a general, if you're a general gamer and you hear about Shadow the Hedgehog or Sonic 2006, you most likely yeah. go, that's shit. But it's when a laugh. Summer, <laughs> when I summer at Sonic, I was talking to some people and a couple of people saying that Shadow's their favourite character, the Shadow the Hedgehog game's like one of their favourite games. Sonic Sonic 2006, for some of them, that was what introduced them to Sonic the Hedgehog and that's, that is their epitome of Sonic. There's like well, that whole adventure. Sonic 06 for me is still for me I think one of the best sound tr modern soundtracks of Sonic for me personally and there's going to be people going oh you're full of crap <laughs> but that's for me personally I honestly think that's one of the best sound modern soundtracks oh. Sonic's had yeah. no, that's not to say anything about the rest of the game but <laughs> the soundtrack at least well, I thought was superb Rum time. It's interesting, actually, that you mentioned that. It's, it is good because you do get um, such a wide, diverse group of uh, Sonic fans. Hello, Rory's arm. Um, <laughs> but you, um, yeah, you do get such a wide, diverse array of, of fans coming to Summer of Sonic, and I think that's that's indicative of the um, the franchise as a whole. You know, you get so many different pockets of fans that like different things, and something that might be, you know, absolutely crap to someone. Uh, will be someone's favourite thing to someone else. But I think what that offers Sonic fans in general, and what we like to do at Summer of Sonic, and maybe one of the reasons why people enjoy 
the company so much is um, is we can kind of take some of the stuff that's a bit wonky, like Sonic 06 as a whole, minus the soundtrack, obviously, um, and just use that as a base for a gentle ribbing. I know that can upset some Sonic fans, where, you know, you can kind of take the piss out of Silver and go, it's no use, um, you know, uh, but I think, by and large, people kind of look at that and go, oh, you know, that's a that's a throwback to, I don't know, Sonic Underground. What a load of crap that was. And even if you like it, you can kind of say to yourself, yeah, it was a little bit rubbish, but I like it. And but the thing I think- is that... The thing is, the link is there as well. That's the other thing. Mario fans would never reference the Mario movie or the Mario cartoons or anything like that. We reference all the stuff that we should be embarrassed about because we're yeah. just not. It's part of the rich tapestry that makes our events and makes our community what it is. And it also adds up that uh, the Sega community has a lot more of commitment to all these uh, Sega franchises than nin- the guys at Nintendo does because... The Ninty guys always are like common things for them, like oh yeah, it's like Mario for but for Sega fan base is like uh, getting more in depth of those games because it was hard to get those games or th- they weren't as popular in, in in the United States as they were in the regions, and yeah. I think that's part of the magic that makes these people really stick to Sega uh, and even in the good times and in the bad times. That makes it very rich. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll obviously talk about this uh, in some length uh, in in one of the later questions, I think. But um, when it comes to Sega and their really obscure various games and franchises and and, and bits and nooks and crannies of each franchise, obviously working with Sega has been a massive benefit with Summer of Sonic in general. But um, obviously, there's that balance between you know what the fans would appreciate and what you know Sega's marketing wants to push out and stuff and it can be, uh, I think one of the benefits of, of working directly with them is that, that Sega is a company that understands its roots, it understands that it has all these different quirks and oddities with each of their franchises um, otherwise it's keeping them afloat well, I wouldn't say Sonic, I wouldn't say referencing Sonic Labyrinth or something is going to keep them a, uh, keep the money rolling in to or be Tales Sky Patrol no, um, but you know, being able to reference something like that at, at a convention that's, you know that they company would normally see as something as a marketing effort by and large is is what gives something like Summer of Sonic its character and I think it's what allows Sega to look a bit like a bit more down to earth in front of the community in, uh, compared to other yeah. companies I suppose yeah yeah it's fair oh, um, I think we should move on yeah probably should <laughs> <laughs> oh to question three wow I need a question bloody hell <laughs> I told you this is going to be like the ten year long episode for you guys I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, dude. Um, yeah, I think we should well just actually start talking about Summer of Sonic um, properly now. Um, I mean, it's it's been going as like we actually mentioned this earlier. It's been going as a live event for a while now, but um, it started as like an online thing. I mean, like between the fan sites. Can you guys just very as quickly as possible, I guess, uh, explain how that actually came about originally and what it actually was online? And such. Um, I think I know that still. I suppose I'll sort that one because it was pr- it was it was my kind of web project but but uh, long and short of it is um, Summer of Sonic was 
an anniversary project. Um, I was doing work experience for a games uh, website, journalism website at the time, um, when it all kicked off, which wasn't the best idea because I had to maintain almost every facet of this while I was doing that. But um, the idea was to celebrate Sonic's 15th anniversary. Now, Sega did this big thing with uh, Sonic Adventure 2, if you remember, for the 10th anniversary. Oh, yeah. Um, they had like wireframe cubes and coins and all this other crap that you could collect. Um, and they made a, made a big song and dance of it. And um, when it came to the 15th anniversary, I don't know if. I mean, they, they did make a big deal out of it online. Like, they gave away wallpapers and they were like, oh, look, you know, happy birthday, Sonic. But they didn't really do a big thing about it. They released Sonic 06. And, um, well, I was going to say, actually, yeah, they, they released Sonic 06. So I think, by and large, they didn't really want to draw too much attention to Sonic that year, uh, <laughs> oddly, oddly enough. Um, and maybe I was the spanner in the works because I was like, let's draw attention to Sonic. And Sega was like, uh. But, um,. No, I'd known uh, the community manager who was there before uh, Kevin at the time um, for quite a while, and uh, he was like getting me on board with various this and that. And I said to him, "Look, I'd like to make a project um, to celebrate Sonic's fifteenth anniversary. What do you think?" And he said, "Well, you know, arm's length. You know, we can't officially do stuff with it, but you know, go ahead, and we'll link to you or whatever." Um, the actual idea for the Summer of Sonic website was actually actually predates, funny enough the Sonic Stadium. Um, one of my big ideas when I was at the Moogle Cavern in 1999, I was like, oh, there's all these guys that like Sonic and oh, what can I contribute to this? There's people that know their stuff. I think I know my stuff. I grew up on the Mars System games and the Mega Drive games. I thought, what can I do? And I thought, I didn't want to just do another fan site, which I actually ended up doing, funny enough. Um, but the, one of the other ideas was to do a website where um, it was like a, a portal or a community website where um, all these different, you know, kind of people who run big, large-scale community websites, they could contribute articles and, uh, and and community features and this and that and stuff. So the idea was to approach Sonic HQ, it was to approach Sonic Foundation, Moogle Cavern, and say to each of those guys, hey, would you like to contribute, you know, your features and stuff to this big portal? We can. It wasn't called Summer Sonic then, obviously, but it was called something else. Um, and it never got off the ground because, quite rightly, every single person who ran a website, a Sonic website, went back and said, why in the bloody hell should we give you our exclusive features <laughs> and stuff to put on your website? So I was like, yeah, actually, you're right, it's a shit idea. So I went away with it. Um, but the 15th anniversary gave me an opportunity to try that idea again in a space that actually makes sense. So I went to mm -hmm. Sonic HQ again, I went to... Um, Sonic, actually Sonic Foundation didn't exist anymore by then, but I went to Sonic Retro, I think, or what it was before it became Sonic Retro. I went to Sonic Cult, and all these different um, websites, big, small, controversial or not, and said, look, this is the project, we want to celebrate the 15th anniversary, um, do you feel like you can contribute anything? And I think by virtue of running the Sonic Stadium and have it, by that point, it, it had exploded and become like one of the biggest sites on the net by then. So I think my name had carried some weight, I'd like to think, whereas before in 1999 I was like literally nobody, and they're like, who's this turd asking me for this thing? Um, I think it helped if I went up to them and said, hey, can you contribute? And they were like, yeah, actually, we can uh, contribute. Uh, I think Sonic Cult, for example, did a feature on Honey from uh, Sonic the Fighters. So it was all these different unique features and different interesting facets about the, the, the franchise. And we did this little... Um, uh, bespoke microsite type thing. Uh, it's still online to this day, albeit in a, a kind of 
half broken form because one of the many uh, server wipes that that befell Sonic Stadium in the early days unfortunately hit that website, but it's still there in in, in the majority form online. Um, and yeah, that's that's basically the website. We had uh, we had this cool idea where people could visit and they could virtually sign a card for Sonic, and we had like ten thousand signatures over the two or three weeks that the um, that the website was was officially active. Um, it's an archive now, um, but yeah, it's it was it was an idea I had, and um, it kind of became massive and for a few weeks, and it did what it was supposed to do, which was the best thing about it. Um, and really, the only causal link between that and the convention that uh, Kevin and I started was um, we were like, you know, I, w- I went to Kevin who was at Sega at the t- at the, by that point, and I said, look, I really want to do this thing. I've got, I'll spend my own money on it. I don't care. And Kevin was like, well, you know, Sega will support you as much as we can. Um, do you have a name for it? And I was like, actually, no. And Kevin was like, well, how about Summer of Sonic? That's the name you've already used, right? And I was like, yeah, but. Uh... And then I thought about it, and I was like, "Actually, that makes absolute sense." So, um, yeah, that's why we adopted the name for that. Really, at the end of the day, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that, Kevin. If or, or... Um, no, to be honest, um, oh, okay. <laughs> brilliant. That's perfect. Um, yeah, and I guess um, yeah, like moving on from there, you 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 went to the obviously the live shows. I mean, was there actually a particular reason why you decided? Like to take it away from like just being on the internet and actually go for a live show, or uh, I think it's natural course that it had to go live. Really, well, well it wasn't a natural cause, really. <clears throat> um, like I said, the, the Summer of Sonic, the live show, was actually a completely different project. And as Adam said, it was something that um, me, Kevin, and him had just said off a of whim. Going, oh, wouldn't it be great? And then we actually ended up doing it. And I think every single Sonic fan who grew up in the nineties, I think. I don't think the idea was a particularly original one, funnily enough. I, I honestly think every Sonic kid who grew up in the 90s had this dream of being able to go to this like convention that is normally reserved for massive franchises like Star Wars, you know, like single franchise conventions and go there and meet up with like-minded souls and stuff. Um, so it was, it was very much a different project, but at the same time, um, it was kind of a natural progression for us in terms of... Um, a meetup that we had, which uh, one of our mutual friends, Elson Wong from Australia, he came over oh, to yeah. the UK. Um, I'm going to let someone else uh, explain this story because I've been talking for way too long. Um, so yeah, but it's it, basically that was the genesis of the of the meet and kind of justified the reasons for us doing the live show. But I'll let someone else explain this this well, meet was, in a way. It was called Rex Fest, so let's let let's let Kevin explain this one. <laughs> I can't remember the details, so... <laughs> uh, it was all the blue that day. I was very unwell. <laughs> I was on drugs. That wasn't really... We, <laughs> we, we basically... We, it, it was a case of, okay, well, Elson's going to be there. Um, and it's just like, opportunity. hey, meet Dark Speeds. So then it sort of just evolved from that to, well, hey, actually, you know, we'd quite like to see each other. And then it just... Happened. I can't remember where the bloody name came from. Um, I think it was. I think it was like originally about four people were going to go. I think it was Elson, me, Kevin, Rory, and a, and a few other people. It was going to be a really close knit thing. Probably. And Lewis then, as well. and then Lewis, Lewis as well. Um, Sonic Yoda. Um, but I think, but word had gotten out, and it went viral in a small way. And by the time the day actually happened, 
um, people were just kind of chipping in going, I'd like to go too. And we ended up having 20 people turn up uh, <laughs> when there was intentionally about four. And we are like, what the hell is this shit? And we ended up going to a pub and basically taking over it, which was nice. Yes, it was the Houston Flyer. In the... uh, It was always the Houston Flyer. Not that one. Was it not the Houston Flyer one? No. Nope. Remember we took over the Houston it, Flyer it, a couple no, of times? No, it wasn't. It wasn't used to fly for that one. Oh no, it was a back bar, wasn't it? I remember. It was. Um, it was. I remember because I was getting bummed by Aaron Lashley. It was on the Victoria at Victoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I remember that one. When I say <laughs> bummed, he jumped on my back. No, I'm sh- actually. I'm sure that was the second one we. I think. I think that was actually the second meetup we had. Wasn't that yeah. Birdcon? That was you in know, Victoria. <laughs> Birdcon, you can see where we get our names from. It's like we're not egotistical. We swear. Um, but anyway, the, the 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 point is, these sort of pub meetups gradually just got more and more ridiculous to the point at which we would sort of go right. We're going to meet on this day, and then X amount of people would turn up, and the pub would just be full of people wearing Sonic the Hedgehog t-shirts. <laughs> Sort of totally bewildered bar staff going, you know, did somebody not tell me about this? You know, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog wedding here today or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, that sort of circles back around quite nicely uh, within, like, sort of, why does Sonic endure where, uh, like, it is as far as active fan service, uh, active fan fans doing something active. Um, over something like Mario, because uh, I remember when Kevin was at Sega, he arranged an event for um, Sonic, the first Sonic and Mario Winter uh, Olympic Games, um, and he'll probably remember a bit more about that. Explain his part of it, but I remember he invited quite a lot of the, the Sonic community that had met up several times by that point, um, and he'd met, he'd invited quite, a, I think, an equal amount of people, if I'm right, Kevin, from the Mario community. And well, but they're, they're, <laughs> I remember, I remember, yeah, I remember only two turned up. Well, that, that, actually, that actually, this is this is kind of your point, actually, because um, obviously beforehand there'd been various amounts of community days where we'd get journos, but also the fans in, because that was one of the things that I wanted to do. And of course, Graham can uh, tell as well, because he was one of the people who turned up I, for these. I was about to say, was that the the, the Nintendo flat? And... That was that was the bum bar- No, that was, uh, other ones. I remember Mario- we were at the oh, Nintendo Mario. flat for one of them though. Yeah, yeah. I think you remember with Mar- one of the Mario Sonic games were at the Nintendo flat. I think. Yeah, one of them was. I think the first like, one was. Cause I know because yeah, yeah, no, I've the got second, photos the of be, that. Be, it, I think it'd be the second one. I think because I remember the first one. I I played as Waluigi and upset the Nintendo man by being really good at archery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was the second summer game, so it was Beijing one. Uh, anyway, anyway, yeah, yeah, uh, so... yeah I, um, I tried to invite <laughs> Mario fan sites, um, but there isn't that many of them. <laughs> and yeah, about two guys showed up um, on the day, and then proceeded to generally beat all of you guys. Yep. Yeah. So you but... let me down. Having said that, though, I I didn't mind losing, and I'm I'm sure Adam would be different because he's a merch whore, but um, I didn't really mind losing because 
it's sort of again it was another big thing that showed the difference between say the Sonic and the Mario community both have been invited it was an equal event there should have been an equal number of these uh, of us but there just wasn't there was an overwhelming turnout by the uh, Sonic community and almost none from the Mario one and even though I remember especially one of the Nintendo like the Mario fans won pretty much everything apart from Archery kicked his ass um he um even though he sort of won everything, uh, could have got home proud with that fact. Fair deuce. Um, he got, he went home straight afterwards. He had no one else to hang around with. He was Billy No Mates. We all went to the pub. Went sod it. Let's get pissed. <laughs> you know, it was which for me showed something a bit more Im- important and impressive about our community. It was like it didn't matter about the win. Here we are having a laugh as mates. Whereas uh, for the Mario community, all they had left was to come and win. Which, luckily for him, he did. Otherwise, he would have had a really shit day. Um, but, yeah, it, it was literally that, that. That was what we had. It was the Sonic community all in it together. The Mario community equally as invited. Just most didn't even bother. There was a specific social element. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't matter, Rory, I waited around the corner and beat him up later on, so I got all the merch anyway. <laughs> I, I knew you could take him. He, he, he wasn't a tough man, was he? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I remember he had to sit down after every event. He was absolutely shattered after each event. <laughs> and it was, it was, yeah, it was just like he'd win every event, but almost at the cost of his life. Every event, <laughs> so he'd do the one, like he'd kick the shit out of us and just sit there. And go, <laughs> like this, this isn't an athlete. This isn't the Olympic Games. Oh, I, I remember we congratulated him. <laughs> All of us, because obviously it was, yes. it was oh, very good. Uh, th- there was a sort of awkward look in his eyes. Like yes. the blue things attaching me. <laughs> we like <laughs> you. The infected Sonic fans. Yeah. Get them away. I'm oh, clean. I think that might have been Adam Goosey, <laughs> though. <laughs> I can't help that. Yeah. When, you see an, when you see a pro athlete, you can't help but goose. <laughs> Uh, go, going back to sorry, going back to Summer of Sonic again. Uh, God, sorry, sorry guys, we've got to keep this going. On. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, actually, you, you, sort of, you sort of mentioned this before, but I just wanted to quickly ask Kevin, like, because at the time you were working at Sega um, mm-hmm. as a community, like, community manager. Um, I mean, obviously that must have been a bit of a big help for like when Summer of Sonic was first set up. Like, how on board was say like how involved did Sega get, and like how how hard was it to get them involved at all? Because Obviously, you have all the the, the sort of games cabinets and stuff that were set up. Um, I imagine you guys didn't pay for out of your pocket as such. Well, I hope you didn't. I hope Sega actually sort of chipped in with that. Um, like, can you tell us a bit about how that sort of happened? And um, well, I think to let's well, the thing to remember about the first summer of Sonic was that um, it was very much Sven. Um, right. You know, Sven put in pretty much a, a huge chunk of money of his own money into that. And uh, Frank, it was happening with or without Sega, mm. and that was actually one of the things I was I sort of I used I used in order to get Sega on board with the initial one. It's like, well, this is happening with or without you. There's this big amount of fans who are going to be in this location at this time, and if you had you know, you know games and stuff there, or and you know showed some representation, it might be you know might make you look good. Um, and they sort of went, hmm. Um, as for how easy it was, um, <laughs> um, depends upon the year. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, 2008 initial one. Um, SummerSonic owes a great, and I mean huge, um, deal of thanks to uh, James Schall at Seg Europe. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, one, uh, at that time, um, he was known as Swiss Cheese on the um, Sega Europe blog and also on the blog, Nick. Whatever happened to those? Hmm. <laughs> and, um, he, had, he had money. He was the head of the community team. And uh, he put time and money aside. And the big thing was time. Um, to actually allow me to do stuff and start, you know, organise some things for it. And, you know, we, we managed to get things like, um, it was Chronicles at that time, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, the first was The big thing was Chronicles. Yeah. Um, and, and that was quite a coup to get that. And that took a bit of negotiation, but I think whoever it was who's brand manager on Chronicles at the time really had no idea what the hell they were going to be doing with it. So it was just like, look, look, just do this and it'll be fine. And uh, we got obviously we got cabinets from NJ Live and 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 things. And um, yeah, it, it, it was great. But I was I was kind of left to my own devices a bit in the way because I didn't think Sega think anything would come of it. Um, the community team hoped that it would, mm. but it was a case of you know, getting on with, with things. And I was just sort of like, whatever. And so it was quite funny actually. If you actually were at SOS, and I mean, there was there was so much stuff on the the walls and things, and yeah. it was all concept art that no one had ever seen. Um, I, I, I did all those you know, those sort of chronicles, you know, speech bubble things that never went for approvals or anything, which was which was great. <laughs> um, but you could kind of get away with that. Uh, and then so so it happened. It was you know a, a huge it was a huge success. It was it was bigger than anyone ever expected. And then it, um, and and then things changed in the department and we moved and stuff. And then. Um, monies needed to come from other places, so 2009 came around, and I think they were. I think some people were very surprised that it was back, um, because the thing that you have to remember is so money for Summer of Sonic doesn't. It isn't just like there is this Summer of Sonic pot, okay? Yeah. Uh, monies have to come from other people's pots, and that's one of the things that I ended up doing. Behind the scenes, which um, which the, the guys didn't really get at first, and, and that why is Kevin being so quiet and secretive about all the stuff going on? Just, well, I can't tell you stuff. Um, but so money has to come from other people's other people's budgets. So whether that's PR or marketing um, or specific brands, so you need to get those funds together in order to, to do anything in the first place, and that's hard because. You've got to then go and go and you know you've got to pitch essentially some Rosonic at these at these guys, and there was a there was a sense of you know in the early days of obviously the community team as well that there was the the situation at Sega um, where it was there was a case of oh yeah there's the fans and nobody really <laughs> wanted to get that involved in it which was why um, it was just me. For um, um, many years, just me as the only Sega representative there, um, because everyone was like, "Oh, I'm washing my hair um, on that day." But it was a case. But over time, and it was a case of over time, and it did take a lot of internal effort, and to be honest, effort that 
probably didn't do me that much good in the end. Um, but to actually really sell SOS as, as, this, as this brand thing, and it, it was only when um, I think it was 2010. The 2010, I think so. Um, which, yeah, it was. It was somewhere like 2010 when we were in the um, um, when we were in Shepherd's Bush. Shepherd's Bush, yeah. That that lovely little place. That lovely <laughs> that lovely little place. We're going to get onto that later, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but it was only <laughs> SOS 10 where actually anybody from Sega you know, turned up. On the day, and um, it was it was great because we had Michelle Dix, who was uh, brand manager on um, many things, and I think one of them was Colors because we had Colors there at the time. Yep. And behind and the David Corliss, and of course, you know David Corliss is the head of Sonic, at least as far as I'm aware, he still is, as global director of Sonic, and. Um, he was just head of the sort of Sonic department at that time, and they appeared, and they actually got to see for once. They had all the reports and seen all the photos and everything, and and all the, and all the fantastic results. And it was only once they actually got there, which I've been begging them to do for years, that they actually finally got it. Yeah, um, the atmosphere. Yeah, just just being and seeing and going to go, wow. That, that that's the thing. It's, it's very difficult to go to. Um, someone go, oh yeah, there's a bunch of video game fans, and they all come together on this day, and they they and they celebrate their fandom of this hedgehog, and you're going to sit there and go, huh. But if you actually go to SOS, you understand it. Yeah. And, and it's how important and special it is. And it was, that, it, they, they came incognito as well. And they didn't make a big fuss or anything. It was, they you know, weren't dressed in. as Sonic or anything. Was, was that the year with Crush 40? Yeah, the first time we had Crush 40. The first year of Crush 40. Yeah. Um, I think what's important to mention as well is that um, Kevin did an astounding amount of work trying to get um, you know Summer of Sonic recognised by Sega, which which is a rather extraordinary effort because um, it didn't have to be that way, right? It's, it could very well be that Sega could not have you know really been that you know, interested in. Yeah, working with us uh, like they do these days, and that would be absolutely fine. Because I mean, at the beginning of it, as Kevin said, it was happening with or without them. And it, not to sound like a massive dick about it, but generally speaking, it was the reason it was actually happening wasn't because we were trying to chase Sega down for some kind of partnership. We were chasing, we were basically making it because um, we were massive fans of the, the franchise, and we just wanted to do it. We just wanted to like that initial meetup in London some years before that we mentioned with Elson. Um, we wanted to have a place where we were like, well, you know, if we can get a, a meeting which was intentionally meant for four people and blow that up somehow into a, a pub meeting with 20 people, um, what would happen if we had a room dedicated to mm. people who like Sonic meeting up? And um, the, in the first year, it was, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was difficult to set up because um, no. It was largely our organisation, uh, our us that was organising it. Um, it was very much my money, uh, I think, at the time, as yeah. Kevin mentioned. Um, yeah. it, there was there was money coming in from all sorts of different places, but the, by and large, uh, the majority came in because 
I was saving up for a trip to Japan that year and it was kind of a toss up between do I go to Japan or do I do this and I thought well let's see what happens when we do this and I was quite willing to see what would happen as a kind of experiment so we hired this small little community hall out for a day I held about 200 people and to be honest this was like this was like the uh, surprise that we had in the initial uh, London pub meetup, but times like 10, right? Because we, we had this hall for about 200 people, and all of us, like me, Adam, Kevin, Rory, we were like, is this going to be enough? And we are like, yeah, it should be more than enough. You know, 20 people turned up to a pub, this will be fine. We had like, uh, it was really, really uh, crude back then. We had like a table, uh, we had like all these awesome Sega pods, don't get me wrong, but generally we had like a couple of tables for artwork, literally two tables together. We had a Mega Drive in the corner and we had a stage. Um, so it was really bare bones compared to what you might expect of Summer of Sonic in these this day and age. Um, but it, it worked for what it did. But people were like, oh, how many people are you expecting to turn up? And I said, well, this held about 200. To be honest, I'd be happy if five people turned up. It would be a colossal failure and a waste of money, but it wouldn't be a waste of money to me, right? Because I'd at least fi find five new mates out of it. <laughs> so um, that was my that was my philosophy. And when we when we held the thing, we didn't do an awful lot of uh, promotion behind it. Um, I was very. Uh, I was very aware of the fact that I had been running the Sonic Stadium for many years now, and I didn't want it to make, I didn't want it to be an event for, you know, members of the Sonic Stadium, that little pocket of Sonic fan community from my own website. I didn't want it to be about me. I didn't want it to be about, you know, the community on Sonic Rex that enjoys like Kevin's comics. I didn't want it to be about any particular kind of community. I just wanted it to be about any and all Sonic fans. So what I did was I made a, another website. Didn't really promote it on any, you know, Sonic Stadium website. Just kind of went, hey, here's a thing. Um, and, you know, who wouldn't expect just five people to turn up, right? It was in the middle of London. It was in the middle of August. Um, not really much going on and blah, blah, blah. Um, on the day, we ended up having about 300 people turn up. And this was people from all around the world. We had someone from Australia. Well, Elson turned up from Australia. We had someone from... Um, China, I think, that year, or maybe it was the year after, and we had, uh, I remember talking to a couple of parents, and they met, they casually mentioned that they were from America, and I was like, come again? They said, oh yeah, um, we heard about this thing because uh, our son, who's a massive Sonic fan, and we were planning a vacation to the UK anyway, uh, and he just uh, begged us to plan it around this, so we did, and I was just like, that sort of stuff got me right there, right? So, um <laughs> It was just, it was just crazy. It was just how it exploded was just so bizarre. Um, and yeah, yeah. yeah I think I, it was twenty ten or twenty eleven where we actually had four continents. Oh god, yeah. Represented. Uh, so we have four lights. Mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mad. But yeah, it was twenty ten which which sort of changed the atmosphere of everything with, within within Sega anyway, and then. Coming up to the end of to 2011, and obviously I wasn't there for, for all of it, but it was at that point where people within the organisation who were doing stuff started getting really excited by Summer of Sonic. And then it wasn't a case of, you know, whether or not we're doing Summer of Sonic, it's like, okay, what can we do for Summer of Sonic? And oh, it's a bit more organised. But that was the thing was, the other thing was, um, as we grew, 
and obviously the first one was just like you know, just the fans with a bit of Sega thrown in, and it's 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 keeping the balance as we go. Yeah, but, yeah. Twenty eleven, there was you know, a, a real proper Sega staff turnout, which um, pleased me because uh, it wasn't my job on the line every year, which was <laughs> which was always fun. <laughs> it goes wrong, you're fired. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Well, I think the important thing is we had, uh, after that year, 2010, we kind of uh, had proved Summer of Sonic to be, uh, I think Kevin had managed to successfully prove that it was a worthy proposition for Sega to take notice of. But from our perspective, um, it was really a kind of coming of age for us as well. And to have Sega on board was just the icing on the cake, I think. Yeah. But Adam, Adam was going to say yeah, something. It changed the nature of the beast, didn't it? For I think for both of us, I think you know, sort of the the people involved in the community realised, you know, we've got a powerful ally in Sega. You know, somebody who we we were allied with from before, and all. You know, Kevin was absolutely vital in sort of building that bridge. But I think from that, Sega sort of saw it as you know, this is something that we want to show off. Is that you know, these people are so passionate about the games that we do. They're willing to put this together, so it was, it was, you know, a, a total not no-brainer for them to sort of back us up to do these events. And also for us, it meant that we could get a hell of a lot more clout behind it. We could invite more guests. You know, in 2010, we had Crush 40, which to me that that was sort of the the point where I, I sort of stood back and went, "Holy crap, we're actually doing." Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're getting these people over, you know, and it's not just this pipe dream anymore, it's actually, it's a reality now. And I think that's sort of what what has continued on the, to this day, is it's, it's it's something that the community are very much dictate what happens with, but, you know, we've got a very, very sort of valuable a- assets that Sega can a- afford to give us, and it looks great for Sega as well, so it is a case of everybody wins the Summer of Sonic. There, yeah. was, there was an incident in 2011 where it really properly hit home for me. And it was early when we started to plan that. And that there was talk about um, exclusivity on things. And one of them was like first play of the game. And the, there was a discussion as to whether or not E3 would get it, or Gamescom, I forgot what it was, or... SOS would get it, <laughs> and it wasn't the case of it wasn't the case of SOS going. Oh yeah, no, we should have it. It was it was the E3 Gamescom organising guys going. No, 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 it's us. It's us. We should have that. <laughs> uh, it just came to that point where it was just like all of a sudden there's like even questions about how Sega actually, you know. Behaved with um, the releases changed. The, the entire philosophy within the organisation as to how they actually advertise games and their their game cycle changed to because SOS was that big an entity. Yeah, yeah. God, more rum. <laughs> <laughs> and you actually just brought you brought this up a couple of you um, about some of the live acts you guys have had. Um, I mean, for me, person on a personal level, I think that was one of the things that impressed me so much. Like, even in the first year, the first live event you had, you had um, three pretty big names from the world of Sonic, as it were. You had Bentley Jones, Richard Jacks, and TJ Davis. And I mean, the live performances you guys put on that year alone were just brilliant. And as you say, it was in quite a small 
like community who are really and each year it's evolved it's grown you had Crush 40 on there um, you've also had like other guests for interviews like Yuji Naka uh, Takashi Izuka I mean, how how difficult has it been to get you got to get all these people involved and also what's it like working with them really one quick thing you mentioned you, you were mentioning the acts we got on the first year um, mm-hmm. you actually missed one out uh, surprisingly Ooh. enough did I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you did. It was a pretty big one, actually. Um, Kevin introduced <laughs> on stage uh, me and Sven singing the DK rap, <laughs> and on, I, 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 I don't appreciate being forgotten. I'm, I'm so the, sorry, the wealthy, I forgot about that. The wealth of the Sonic community. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially, especially that the was terrible. Of that comes from Sega nerds. <laughs> yes, that's true. Oh, <laughs> the, well, the, funny, the funny thing is about that was we hate you, Kevin. <laughs> well, if we didn't I'm, before, we did I'm after used that. To it. <laughs> I'm used to it, it's fine. Joint um, loss on Rex Factor, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I think when it, when it, we, were, we were really, really uh, blessed and lucky to have uh, someone as amazing as Richard Jakes come on in the very first year. That was, that was, was not planned at all. It was just um, the very first meetup that me, Adam, and, and Kevin um, met up in Nottingham was, as Adam said, uh, a Richard Jakes kind of uh, intimate concert in uh, in a church, funny enough. And um, he did a little meet and greet afterwards and um, he got to know us and we basically invited him to this thing and he was very much up for it. Um, he's yeah. very, very... Um, He's a very down-to-earth, laid-back guy, and uh, you know I respect the hell out of him. And he was very kind to come down, um, play a selection of um, of his best uh, tracks um, in front of a really, really captive audience. And I think they really, really enjoyed it. Um, he was a pleasure to work with for a start. But um, yeah, he was very much uh, he was he was very much like we were bloody lucky we got him. We we weren't even sure if. That was to the very day we we did it. We're like, is, uh, is he actually going to turn up? Is this you know, is this real? Is this real life? <laughs> we need to pinch ourselves. Um, yeah, that's true. But it was it was it was great. It was a great day. Um, Bentley Jones, we we'd known him because he was Bentley Jones was actually active in the Sonic community. Funny enough, for many years, um, he was known as Libro, uh, a prominent was, remixer. Um, yeah, Remix Factory as well. Remix Factory. Shadow the Hedgehog, I think. Yeah, he did yes. a remix of Eggman for Shadow the Hedgehog. Rubita. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the one. Uh, yeah, he was a pleasure to work with too. Um, he's obviously gone to do more kind of um, pop music now. Uh, isn't so involved with the Sonic kind mm-hmm. of um, way of working. So, uh, you know, it was good to have him on the years where he was active. Um, but obviously... I have to the... say, uh, with... Uh, with... Well, Lee Brotherton or you know Bentley Jones, he is same same guy, different name. Um, he in the second year, um, he performed with us in two thousand and nine. He actually had a, a throat condition, and he still came and performed, which shows you know we we didn't expect him to do that. With uh, he, he was quite uh, well, ill. even even two thousand eight actually. Oh really? As well, I knew uh, about two thousand eight. He actually had surgery to remove a tumor from his back. Oh my god. Yeah, and he still came and performed. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we, yeah, when it comes to Bentley Jones, you know, whatever people might think about anything, he is a legend um, for, yeah. for simply uh, contributing when he really, really didn't need to. Um, you know, we are, we're forever grateful to him on that. He, he also created two specific, uh, two specific tracks 
for Summer of Sonic. Yeah, do two yes, exclusive did. tracks. Yeah, he did a remix of They Call Me Sonic, I think, as a joke, and then he did um, he did another one, didn't he? I can't remember what the other one was. The um, other one we won by doing the DK rap. <laughs> Two thousand eight was his world um, blue. Uh, Blue World Prelude, I think it was called, and then 2009 was the um, was the it it, it just came from a because we 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 talked reasonably regularly on the phone at that point, and we just he just said oh we're gonna do another track and it was like yeah yeah we should do one of the the jokey you know German ones but try and do it seriously, <laughs> so, and it just happened that it was it was it was we call me Sonic and I think I ended up. Um, calling it the, the the furry tales enhanced or something, <laughs> but yeah, just 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 having that as like an opera, operatic form, you know. Seriously. I'm so glad he didn't choose King of the Ring. That was debated for a very 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 long time. Thank oh, God he didn't choose it. <laughs> um, there are there are some. Uh, I want to get to um, I think Yuji Naka and Takashi Zuka in a little bit because they I think they deserve a whole freaking 10 minutes on their own uh, for reasons I'll explain very soon but they're quite obvious um, but I mean I think one of the unsung heroes uh, of the people that we invite um, and are very happy to come along to Summer of Sonic every single year um, even the Americans one year in 2011 uh, are the comic artists um, a lot oh, of people of course, they, yeah. they spend yeah. uh you know they they do other things now. Obviously, like I think some of them are involved with you know other comic projects. Um, some like Nigel Kitching, legend, freaking love him. Um, grew up with his stories in Sonic the Comic. He, uh, I think he's now um, a university lecturer as well as doing some of the stuff he does. So uh, to get them on board uh, from an early kind of time period was just insane uh, like it was like wish fulfillment come true for all of us and uh, yeah we, they, they're very happy to come down every year uh, sign some stuff they keep coming down and going oh are you sure that you know we really need to be here because you know people come to Summer Sonic and they you know they want to see like the big names like you know like Jun Sonoy and, and Yuji Naka and whatever and I get, me and Adam keep saying to them look dudes like seriously like Nigel Dobbin and Nigel Kitchen in particular like look guys stop being so humble like every single year they have a table and every year it's like the most swamped out of all of them it's quite funny because I think uh, it was Nigel Kitching was taking a photo of the queue and he said why why are you taking a photo of like the queue Nigel and he goes oh because my wife doesn't believe me that I go to this (laughs) thing every year where people want to talk to me about a comic I did 20 years ago (laughs) (laughs) oh brilliant um I'll, I'll talk well before Sven go, I'll let Sven talk about Yuji Naga and Takashi Zuka but uh, I, w- I was in Japan with work um, about four years ago and while I was over there I'd started talking to Jun Tsunoi via email and I said oh I'm actually in Tokyo at the minute and he was like really? Do you want to just grab you know, a drink somewhere or something like that? that ended up being a whole evening but we got talking and it was kind of like oh yeah we're doing this Summer of Sonic thing at the moment and he was like he said, "Oh yeah, we've seen Japan. Have seen the the guys have seen this. Like we want to get involved." And it was sort of he'd said, "Oh, like maybe I should come and perform. Chris Forty should come and perform." And I was just like, "This is gonna. This is just gonna be one of these things where people will go, yeah, yeah, I'll take to the party, and then they never show up at the end." Mm. But uh, we, we got talking, and he he carried on going, "Oh yeah, we've got I've got X, Y, and Z working." And then I think I I've been back in the UK about two or three weeks, uh, and I. Talk to Sven, and I think at the same time I got an email from Jun going, "So is this going to happen?" 
and I was like, Sven, I think June wants to, you know, get this Crush 40 thing going, and we were just, I think we talked to Kevin at the same time, and we just thought, why the hell not? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but for me, that was that was kind of the weird moment for me. Was Summer Sonic 2010 was sort of yeah. sitting up on the balcony watching Crush 40 performing and going, and, you know, yeah, hell, this we we've made this happen. So you know, yeah, I, I've is, got. I've got their performance all on tape, and it was actually one of the best live performances I think I've ever seen. It was so good, and I think when you guys brought up earlier, like you're just seeing the whole crowd just like there singing along, dancing, jumping, and stuff. It was a freaking amazing time, especially well, considering it was, his... it was crazy for June because June had just come along thinking, "Oh, like nobody will know us," and he was a rock star for his <laughs> day. Like, I don't uh, think June's ever, you know, yeah. Johnny being the seasoned rock star. It took it in his stride, and he was. I mean, Johnny's a. I love Johnny Joelli as well. He's yeah. such a good laugh. <laughs> yeah. But anyone who's met him will be able to say the same. Cool. But, but June, I think it was quite. It was a quite a, uh, a sort of a novel experience for him, and it was great seeing just this big, huge beam and smile on his face as he was, you know, plowing his way through live and learn. And you just think, you know, this is. It's so. It's, it's not just for the fans. It's sometimes for these people, and it's it's, it's gratification for them to know that what they're working on isn't just you know the background soundtrack to some video yeah. game actually I, th- I think that showed sorry yeah I think that showed with him um, interacting with the crowd as well I remember um, when they had their off time there was a green room area upstairs that they could go to just to chill out um, and j- obviously they availed themselves of that service because I can imagine they'd want to after, especially after doing the signings and stuff but Jun was really really actively searching for you know opportunities and moments to just get out into the crowd without having to do anything just to walk around savor the experience and chat to everyone because I, I think for him that for that 2010 event it was almost like an event for him as well in yeah. his own in his own bubble was... because a lot of video game a lot of video game musicians um have said and I, I remember this from when we first went to the first video games live in britain um a lot of them sort of feel that Especially in the for older generations than ourselves, um, that video game music is not proper music or not proper artistry or whatever, and that's that's been told to them and that's been knocked into them. But they need a job; it's their job. Mm. Um, and all of a sudden, that thing that's you know not proper art or not proper music, it now has a massive following of people that are going, <laughs> yes, it is, and we love it. And all of a sudden they've gone from, you know, thinking that they'd be sort of in the almost like obscurity to being rock stars overnight. Uh, Just because of the fact that all these people have gone up and gone, actually, I'd like to see that in concert. Actually, I'd like to watch that. I'd like to meet these people. And, for you know, for people like Jun and for people like a lot of the people that were at the first Video Games Live, I think that's really yeah. made it an event for them as much as anybody else and that's why Jun loves to keep coming back he's very <laughs> insistent on himself coming back and we love having him because he's a lovely yeah. bloke there was, a, there was a glorious moment actually in, in 2010 in the introduction where I've, me and Sven were doing the intro if you remember this Sven and we start, We got to Jun's name and at that moment in time he poked his head like over the top <laughs> of the balcony oh yeah <laughs> And there was this sudden yes. cheer. Me and Sven are going like, "Yeah, so yeah, yeah." Jin Snatt looked up, and he's like over the top with his camera, just taking a photo. Of <laughs> but there was sort of like it was sort of like this really odd silence of everyone going, "Ooh," 
and then everyone goes, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect timing. Oh, God. Before you, you get, get to Sven, before you get onto um, Eugene Acker and stuff, I, very quickly, because you guys have just been talking about this, um, I, actually, you might have to clarify something for me, just to double check. Bentley Jones, did he actually sing in this world? Like, did he record it originally? Or is it just a... Uh, what, do you mean in the, the game version? Or... Yeah, the game version. No, that was Zebrahead, wasn't it? Oh, okay. I just, I, he, he did do another version of it, though, didn't he? Or something. I think he did the Summer of Sonic version, didn't he? Or was it? Yeah, he oh, did. okay. Because he did a cover of it, basically. Yeah. Okay, because there's just one little story, because you're talking about like how they, um, the, the artists who've come to these things, they, they don't really realise how big the fan, much the fans love them. I just remember one that is in the first year, in fact. I've actually got this on camera as well. Um, in in his world, I th I'm pretty sure it's in his world. Was playing like you had because you had the DJ um, uh, DJ sort of set up and like decks playing all the songs and stuff. Then his world was on. There was a group of girls like singing it, and suddenly Bentley comes out of like this this back room from, like from nowhere and just sort of stands there like just staring at them. And one of the girls just turns around and just like screams because like <laughs> Bentley Jones like her eyes are like. It was a beautiful moment, and I'm so glad I got that on camera. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like I think I think for both like the fans and and the artists, it's just like such a big thing that's um, it's really it's really incredible, really. And I think as I said before earlier, I'm just I'm impressed you managed to get all these guys on. Um, but yeah, so I had to I had to tell that little story because it's so good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway. it's great. It's great that you mention it because um, I, I I don't know how people view it from sort of the audience side as to what we get to see or what we get to know we uh, when especially when you're in charge of it I'm sure the other guys would sort of um, add their own opinion or bail or, or agree or whatever um, on this point but we don't see everything as much as we'd love to we really would and like moments like that we tend to miss because we've got other things to focus on to try and make the event happen but when we see things like that that is really what makes us grateful for the event happening and what we actually love about it is actually giving people the opportunity to have those moments but we i mean we 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 have our own moments of course and um we see different moments across the thing but obviously we can't be across the entire venue and across the entire event at once yeah. um but yeah we love we love seeing those opportunities we love hearing about them um i remember the um the documentary for Summer of Sonic uh, from last year's event, uh, from Sonic Sonic 2013, uh, and there was they they interviewed a guy in the audience who was literally just absolutely blown away by the fact that he was at an event where other people were singing the songs he'd sing to himself in his bedroom, and he he daren't sing them in public because why are you singing such a stupid kids theme? And all of a sudden he was at an event where if anybody had said that, it would have been like get out. <laughs> yeah, is, I think we're I think, all singing this. I think and, no, uh, people aren't uh, like there. There are no more people surprised by that, I suppose, than the actual game creators themselves. Like one of the m memories that I, that sticks with me the most is from 2011 when uh, with June actually. Um, that year we were trying to get Crush 40 to come over. Um, they were already going to Sonic Boom, which is the US version of it uh, of what we do, uh, but in a different style, obviously. Um, and so we were trying to get Johnny on board. Uh, it wasn't possible because of conflicts with schedules and stuff. So we were like, well, June, just come over and do do a small set at the end. And he was, we were umming and ahhing because um, I think it's 
half half it's the Japanese culture really, where they they don't feel too sure that they can really stand on their own uh, kind of merits. And June in particular, like Adam said, there was all, you know. I think June wasn't really aware that um, he had such a broad impact on so many fans. And so we had this back and forth before 2011's show where um, he was going to do a set, then he wasn't going to do a set, then uh, he'd do a set, but he wouldn't include this song or he wouldn't include that song. Um, and we relented on, a, on some things because it made sense and sometimes it didn't. Um, and there was one song uh, where he was wavering on performing and it was Escape from the City. Uh, and he wasn't initially going to want to play it because uh, he didn't have a singer to sing it, uh, sing the lyrics. And I just said to me and I just went to him, June, just play the instrumental. And it was like, seriously? We were like, dude, seriously, you play the song. I guarantee you, in fact, I'll like buy you like all the drinks that night. If not one person sings that song, like I would be severely impressed that no one like or massively like depressed that no one would sing that song. I said, like, "You, I guarantee you, every single person in that room will sing that song as soon as you start playing it." And you know what? He he was like, "Okay, well, you know, I'm really nervous about it, but I'll give it a shot." And he did. And I know I can. I remember seeing on his face while he was playing it. I wasn't sure. I think he wasn't sure what was going to happen, and he was kind of pretty half expecting it to bomb. But as soon as that initial riff kicked in everybody just started screaming the words and you could see his face just light up on stage and he was just like it was half relief but I think he was just really really gratified that there were so many people who knew the words without even referencing anything so many people grew up with Sonic Adventure 2 for a start so and and then the generations as well with uh, with the actual you know remake of the level so you know, you just saw him go from like timid from the beginning of the song, and then he just ended up bouncing around like a bunny <laughs> for the most of the rest of the song. And you just think he was so he was so uh, like jazzed by that, and it was just it put a massive smile on my face knowing that that you know that that proved him right or wrong about the fan base, I suppose. But um, he actually came up and grabbed my arm afterwards, and just like just like I was like just like Paul me. I didn't realise Escape from the City was that popular. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah! <laughs> Massively popular. Um, we also had uh, someone that I really, really... Because uh, last year's Summer of Sonic, I retired last year, but um, I was still very much involved in the initial planning process. Sharp, you took over. So um, <laughs> I took but, um, over beforehand! Oh, that's true. Um <laughs> But yeah, I was very much involved with the initial planning, and one of the guys I wanted to get over, I was it was a long shot, because, like I said, that balance between what Sega wants to promote to fans and uh, older stuff, and uh, there was obviously um, Sonic Lost World, which was a big thing that year, um, but also I was I, I, we pitched the idea of, um, oh, we want to do this thing with uh, Metal Sonic, and it was like, oh, who should we get on board? And I was like, look, my pet project was, let's get Hoshino-san on board, the guy who designed Metal Sonic in Sonic CD. He also designed uh, Amy Rose as well, um, but Metal Sonic, yeah. So he um, he created Metal <laughs> Sonic, and yeah, I, I think, Rory, you did a, an on-stage interview with him, didn't you? Like, yes. What was that like, working with him and stuff? That was, that was a bit odd, because uh, my previous interview experience was with Sumo Digital, so they were English, I was English, it was very easy to sort of follow script and then go off script and banter, uh, because there was no worry of interpretation. It was the first time I'd ever actually spoken to someone via interpreter ever in my life. So I, did, 
I, I did my best. I hope it came off all right. But um, the what it, it, what was interesting was uh, from Hishino San himself. One where he was very up for you know answering any questions that had uh, that you know he felt he could answer, which was pretty much all of them. Um, the other thing as well was how how game he was to listen to what people had to say and uh, how quick he was to throw things out back to the audience, not just to me, but to the audience. Um, uh, he was a great laugh. And uh, th the, the one thing that I'll always remember from doing that in uh, SOS 2013 was uh, during the sort of chat on stage, we'd, we'd obviously asked the fans... Uh, if they wanted to submit questions and we'd find out which you know which were the best questions and compile those and you know basically ask those on stage um, and up came the question of uh, some of his work with Sonic R which included uh, the creation of Tails Doll um, <laughs> and that was I, that for me was uh, the jewel in the interview because uh, you know he explained the original purpose of Tails Doll in Sonic Car was actually going to be uh, an additional mode for uh, Eggman and Eggman, the, the Egg Robo, uh, where you'd have to shoot the Tails Doll targets. and uh, But it, they didn't have enough time to implement it, so instead they just used the model, because the model was already built, as a character in the game. Uh, and what eventually became of the sort of shooting game happened in Sonic Adventure with Gamma. And the oh. very first mission is the shooting of the Sonic Tails and Knuckles oh, dolls, and Tails doll is in that because he's one of the dolls. Yeah. But that was that was actually a concept lifted from Sonic R previously, oh. um, and that, that I, I don't think that had ever come out before that interview uh, last year, which was, um, and, and, you know, the fact was uh, when I talk about him throwing something back to the audience, um, we I asked him, you know, if he was aware of the. Um, Rather disturbing fan history of Tails Doll, you know, the fact that if you look into his eyes, he'll follow you in your sleep, and uh, <laughs> all, all, all of the strange horrors that go with Tails Doll. And he laughed. He was like, I had no idea. And, he's, um, and he was like, and he just threw to the audience, like, do you want to see uh, Tails Doll in a new game? And of course, that was possibly the worst thing they could have said because everyone in the audience cheered yes <laughs> so we may in fact get him back um, but which would be great but it's it what that's what i loved about talking with hashina san was that um you know he, he's someone who generally works behind the scenes he's not generally in front of a stage as part of his job role but even when he got there once he you know after a little bit when he felt comfortable he was throwing things back to the audience because he knew those were the people that purchased the games he was designing Mm. Um, and he he relished in that feedback, I think. So it would I, I just found that exceptional the fact that he was you know so willing to interact, um, you know on on first meeting with a huge bunch of English nerds. Izuka <laughs> <laughs> uh, San, the guy that runs uh, Sonic Team now and is producer on many of the Sonic games uh, in Japan, he is uh, a lot of fun to work with. I know he comes across sometimes as a, a little strange in interviews. Um, I think that's simply due to the whole localization process. You know, you, you get a Japanese guy in front of British or American games journalists 
and there's always that lost in translation moment where he says something which would sound perfectly normal in conversation but it would be kind of embellished um, by way of translation purposes um, and you know it might be construed as oh Izuka-san says blah 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 when he in fact he, he kind of just meant it as an off the cuff quip or something um, but he's got a great sense of humour um, I remember when we had him uh, the first year we had him on board which was 2011 and uh, he was a lot of fun uh, he took a lot of stuff on the chin because obviously there were a, there were a lot of Sonic fans that uh, I think they had a little bit of mixed opinions about Azuka-san clearly because of how he came across in like I said interviews and how that was perceived but um, I think he he changed uh, he was very much on board with the whole concept of Summer of Sonic as I think you know, Kevin might may or may not say um, in a minute but he um he was very much uh, like I think his appearance at Summer of Sonic was uh, a game changer for a lot of people's perception of him which was great because I think he's a great guy and I think a lot of people's opinions of him had been coloured by what was in uh, the press not saying that the press was right or wrong or whatever it was just an unfortunate hap uh, matter of circumstance and um, you know I think a lot of people warmed to him from then and he's been a regular kind of um, special guest ever since simply because he loves coming down like he just wants to enjoy that like much like Sonoy Sun does he wants to um, experience the fans and, and be able to get you know close to what they're thinking because um, there's a lot of feeling in Japan right now I think of uh, really servicing that fan base I think you saw that with Generations and uh, obviously Sonic Lost World took a lot of ideas from uh, you know bad nicks and stuff from the old uh, Sonic games and obviously there was a lot of influence from Colours too which a lot of fans were receptive to so there was that angle but I remember in 2011 uh, he took a lot of stuff on the chin there was like no hold bar holds barred almost and there was some questions where it was like what do you regret the most uh, it was I, I'm kind of paraphrasing I don't know the exact question but it was I think the it was a different kind of question but unfortunately I think the Japanese guests took it to mean what do you, what are you sorry for putting in the games which wasn't what the question was at all <laughs> but I think it was how it was translated or communicated to them and so Izuka-san was like he didn't take long to think about it at all and he just went I'm really sorry for Big the Cat levels in Sonic Adventure and everyone <laughs> went yeah um and it was just amazing and he, there, there were moments even like last year where there was uh, mention of I don't know uh, not Silver because he wasn't involved in, in 06 so much but um, you know Shadow or you know some of the really weird things that happened in Shadow the Hedgehog and stuff and you'd see often sometimes it, I think you might see it on YouTube if we record that stuff but uh, there were often times where Izuka-san would just like put his head in his hands and he just like in, on, on stage interviews and just be like oh my god don't ask me these questions like you're killing me here and that was the it's got the point now where I think it, I agree Sven it was like I think he was very sort of a, there was this loss in translation thing when we get these guests over first but I think he's, he's so seasoned now to expect these questions and I think it was a uh, I watched the online interview that he had at Sonic Boom and was just howling all the way through because he got all the generic questions of oh you're going to do a Sonic Adventure 3 but my favourite <laughs> one was um, somebody asked him about the moon the continuity of the moon going oh well it was blown up in Sonic Adventure 2 and yet it was back in Sonic Heroes and he <laughs> sort of very calmly just went Oh well, the moon sort of rotated round now, so it's like, and I just thought that was great. I just thought I was just in absolute agony at that. But I think he's—I think now that people have seen this side of him, and he's—he's he's got a bit 
but I think it's been a good, you know, a good experience for him as well to see more Western side of perception of Sonic, and the humour as well. I think he's also picked up a lot of as well. Yeah, so I think that's it, the main thing is getting used to yeah. Western banter. I think in a in a strange way, and I don't want to be too presumptuous about it, but maybe this c- c- uh, contact that he's had with the Western fans, which um, I don't know if Kevin can shed some light on this, but I think from what I understood it, um, like the Japanese Sonic team and especially Zuko-san didn't really have uh, an angle on just how big or how passionate Sonic fans were in the West. They kind of had an idea that Sonic was bigger in the West than it was in Japan, but not to that extreme. So I think. I would go so far as to say the contact that he's had with uh, fans in Sonic Boom and Summer of Sonic, um, I think it kind of helped warm him to the idea of something like Sonic Boom, the video game, where it was it's a very kind of American reimagination of the Sonic brand. And you see all these interviews on IGN and stuff where, uh, you know, the, the, the American studio behind Sonic Boom have been talking loads about, uh, you know, oh, how how was it, you know, trying to get things passed through Sonic Team and Izuka-san, and they're talking about how this process and, you know, Izuka-san saying yes or no to this and that and the scarf and everything. I, I honestly don't think that kind of debate would have even happened internally on a development level if he wasn't sure that it was worth doing after communicating with fans and their desires, I suppose. But, um, yeah, it's just something I thought of just now. But. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think back in the day there was a, a sense of with, with your, your rights fan in that they, they weren't really aware. Uh, a part of that was through design as well. There was a sort of sense of paying no attention to that fan base behind the curtain. Um, but... Um, I think what we can actually do is, as Adam disappears, which is a bit unfortunate because I'm about to reference him. Um, Just slag him off. <laughs> <laughs> no. That arsehole, um, Adam, Adam. Adam mentioned that, that he said that June was aware of Summer of Sonic um, um, uh, as, as in the run-up to 2010. And I think that's because after SOS 09, I put together like a huge you know, package of you know, just like just all the you coverage and everything, and this got sent to SOJ, and they were really enthralled with 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 Summer of Sonic, and and they wanted to know more about it, and you know this sort of drip fed over time, and and um and it was it became very clear that Izuka had seen it and Izuka was interested, um in the sort of things that were going on, and they they, they loved it. As we said before, the, the Japanese devs, you know, just, just hey, there's this big group of fans, and it's all very well actually saying. I, I think this is actually something we should probably. Um, I think SOS guys should probably you know, take a bit more you know, pride in that they didn't do these, you know, these things in Joypolis before SOS mm. yeah, yeah, and true. before going to SOS. And SOS hasn't just um, influenced America, it's actually influenced, gone right back to Japan, and Sonic Team are organising their own versions. <laughs> versions yeah, because of course Sega America got Sonic Boom. Um, a quick question on what you were saying, actually. You were saying that um, you think that, you know, Adam mentioned Junsenoi, um saying that he'd heard of it for 2010, and you mentioned that after 20, 2009 you had put together a package to send to Sega Japan. Um, 
considering that we had an event in 2008, and I understand that compared, it's it sort of we got more professional as it went along. It started off, you know, as you'd imagine a fan convention mm-hmm. to start off. Um, were they not aware of it from 2008, or did Sega Europe not convey it? Or I suppose because of Sega's lesser involvement in 2008, did, was that maybe part of the reason why it didn't every year I put together, every year I put together a a, a package uh, so it was, it but it, it was, was the case of that it was more than a one off no no no, no, no. <laughs> 2009 was just, a, just the first one where I, I knew that it had gone to Japan and I right. knew that people had seen it um, but it wasn't just that because Azuka's or Azuka-san has always been um, very supportive of of um, of Summer of Sonic since his, since um, his uh, prior to his involvement, and obviously very much since then, because there was a, a lovely point in 2011 where he came up, where I, I met him on the stairs, and this is again goes back to his. He does speak English, okay? Izuka-san speaks English. Um, it's it's not perfect English, and that's one of the things sometimes that um, things are, t- are misconstrued and taken out of context a little mm. bit within those English interviews. And it's also, it's also that specific reason. He's actually very wary of, of talking English, in case he is. Um, but we were, had a discussion on, on the stairs uh, back at SOS 11. And he was saying how, yeah, how, what a fantastic you know, thing this was. Um, he was he was already talking about you know they hope to do it again and he said, he said oh yeah, this is this is you know the best thing I've I've been to and so, yeah, yeah wow fantastic and he, he he then paused and he looked actually quite sad um, and and I sort of, I sort of asked him what it was and just like I just I just wish I could have been out there more oh, and he he was exactly like June in that he the big regret that he had because he 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 did to, to to justify him being there, you know, he had to do interviews and things backstage. But he really desperately wanted to be out on the floor, going around and seeing all the all the the tables and things. Yeah. And been, but he had had a brief opportunity to go around with Nakasan um, the day before when we were doing when we were doing stuff. And it was great because you had Yuji Naka and Takashi Zuka could go around, you because know, they hadn't seen each other for a while. So it was, oh, yeah, big friends. And they were going around like, like all the display cabinets and taking photos and things. And they were like, doing their pre, they were doing their pre thing. But the actual awareness of SOS definitely um, was well before then. Um, because. Um, We'll talk about. I will get onto back to Sven with with Nakasan, but there is a story of a Nakasan before that, and that was um, when I had the opportunity to talk to Nakasan after an event that we did in London for Let's Tap. All right, yeah. And we had we were up on a up in a hotel somewhere. I, I think it was. Oh, I can't. It, was, it was a Hilton in London, a, a very posh, a poshest of posh Hilton in London. Uh, and we're in the bar, and I've finally got a chance to talk to Yuji Naka, and of course I'm just going, oh my god, <laughs> inside. And we discussed many things, me with my bottle of Budweiser, and him Man. with his most expensive champagne in the house. Of course. <laughs> Which is I'm, I'm drinking out the bottle like a class guy, um, <laughs> and I talked to him about 
about Summer of Sonic. He knew Summer of Sonic before I said anything. He right. knew Summer of Sonic. He knew the Sonic Stadium. He knew Sven. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, he knew who. Did he know who you were? Yes. Do you know who he is? <laughs> yes, he did. And so, so he knew that, and he was, and he, and at that time, he, he, then he expressed an interest. So there was a very, there was, it by 2009-2010, it became much more well known. I think. Mm, absolutely. But it, I think repetition always helps. That's what helped with the meetups because the meetups, I mean, we didn't view it that way, but you could view them as maybe unsuccessful in terms of mass numbers of people when we first started them but I mean we didn't view it that way anyway because we were just mates going to the pub but it was the repetition and the fact that people after a while having seen several of them go up and the photos of that knew that we weren't just going to go let's meet up on this day and then not bother you know we were definitely going to be there we were definitely going to have the meet up we are definitely going to have a chat and they wanted to be a part of it so I think you know and it's a slightly. I know it's a different kettle of fish to a, from a meet up to a professional or a convention that gets professional people in, but I think it has that same tone. It's you know, Summer of Sonic two thousand and eight, as far as they were concerned, could have easily just been a one off. Um, whereas after two thousand nine, you know, it was two years on the trot, and then there was planning for the third. So I think it became more. They became. I, th- I think people become a bit more easy with the fact that this is going to become more of a fixture based on repetition, more so than just based on a single idea, no matter how good that may be. Mm. Yeah, Izuka-san's a joker as well, which I really yeah. like about him. Uh, as Adam said, he's like, he, he like batting away questions at Boom, uh, did that at Summer of Sonic as well, but there's one memory of him that I always kind of treasure, it just encapsulates how much of a bad man he is. Uh, he basically, uh, the, the year before, I think 2011, when we first, when he first came down, we had, um, like, the thing about Summer of Sonic is that it's a, a big community event. It's run by uh, community people, organised by such. Sega gets involved with the logistics. Um, and But by and large, in terms of the content, it's very much uh, us to kind of run around and do our thing. And as a result, there's a lot of people uh, in a community, uh, such as Pete, John, uh, Graham, uh, they all do uh, their own little kind of thing with the event and they kind of own it in their space. Um, To the point where um, our own family gets involved, which is quite cool. Uh, Rory and my mum and dad uh, are regular uh, visitors to Summer Sonic and they like to help out when they can, bless them. And... My mum in particular, I think she bumped into Izuka-san in 2011 uh, and got quite a concerned, uh, confused look by him when she went backstage until she explained who she was. She was my mum. Then he warmed to her a little bit. Um, So he said to me... uh, He's oh I know oh no this is it in 2012 the year after right because I didn't know this meetup happened uh, this encounter um, but you know my mom was like oh I bumped into this Azuka San guy and I was like oh really and I was like what's he like she was like he's very nice very nice then in 2012 when we were in Brighton stop it Rory in 2012 when he was in Brighton um, he we did this thing backstage uh, after the show had ended because I went to Sega and said to the people there, uh, the handlers of the special guests, and said, "Look, um, <laughs> handlers, <laughs> don't you sound like a zoo." Well, you know, well, no, you know what I mean. 
the PR people and said, look, um, the Japanese these, wranglers. I said, look, these guys have been working really hard all day. Um, they'd really like some FaceTime with Izuka-san and stuff because they, they haven't had a chance to get anything signed and stuff. Would it be okay to have like the last 10 minutes of the meet, uh, Sonoi-san, Johnny, um, you know, uh, Izuka-san? Sega was like, yeah, sure, um, get them all upstairs and we'll have a, a chat and stuff. And um, when I got to shaking Izuka-san's hands for a second year running, and, uh, like saying thanks again for coming and stuff, his first words to me was, I know your mommy in English. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was like, you're a joke, aren't you? So I said, uh, I, I, um, I think Rory had introduced um, himself to Izuka-san j- just after I said that. And I said, oh, uh, this is Rory, this is Azuka-san, uh, you remember Rory, right? And he went, he went oh, Rory, yes. And I said, oh, he, he's my brother. And he went, your brother? <laughs> I was like, in English still, I went, okay. I said, this is my dad. He went, your father? <laughs> and then I introduced him to uh, my girlfriend. And I said, oh, this is my girlfriend. And he went, your girlfriend? <laughs> I, was like, I, I was like, okay, where's this going? And he went, oh, your brother, your mother, your girlfriend, your father. And I was like, okay, I get it. I was like, this isn't a family operation. It made it sound like it was like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, like a shop that was run by the, the family or something. And he was just like, he was, he was just joking about it, going, oh, I know all of your family. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I found yeah. that quite funny. We had to put up with this weird charade because I first met him at uh, E3. And I think everybody who I knew out at E3 wanted to introduce me to Azuka-san. So at about the fourth time somebody had gone, Azuka-san, I want you to meet Adam from Summer of Sonic. We just ended up doing this whole charade where we'd just be like, oh, very nice to meet you, sort of thing. And it just got more and more ridiculous every time it happened. But uh, he's got a real sense of humor, though. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, of course, there is um, the, the guy that... Uh, I think Kevin had been very instrumental in getting him involved uh, at Sega in 2011, um, and you know this was this was the big win for me uh, as a massive Sonic fan. I think every Sonic fan's dream is to uh, be in the same room as uh, Mr. Yuji Naka, uh, let alone uh, be able to kind of work with him directly. Uh, and for me, that was that was a personal massive highlight of my life. You know, he's he's. He's basically my hero when I was growing up. Um, you know, credited as the creator of Sonic, more like the the creator of the the gaming foundation of what Sonic was uh, initially based on. And he's a coding badass, right? Like he, even when he became producer and became less involved with the programming side of the Sonic team kind of stuff, uh, he was in with the Dreamcast, for example. He was. Uh, I remember reading the interviews when I was like a teenager, and I was like, "Oh, is Eugenica still programming stuff?" And it turned out that he was. He was programming the netcode for Fantasy Star Online. And I was like, oh, you know, the, the whole stuff, the whole online system for Fantasy Star Online, he got really wow. stuck into it. And that's the kind of programming, you know, backbone that he has and why he's one of the best, really. And, um, you know, I'd been following him for, like, you know, obviously, not literally, that'd be weird, but I've been following his uh, <laughs> career for, like, years and years. And finally, there was the opportunity for Sonic fans to get to meet him in person, and this was, like, Twilight Zone levels of weird for me, uh, because not only was he my personal hero, but I was 
I was working with him for Summer of Sonic, you know, like interviewing him on stage. So that was massively squeaky bum time. And then I had, uh, I also was essentially like his handler for, for a large part of the day. Like I know he had people at Sega looking after him for the most part, but if he needed something, like I was the go-to guy. And that was, that was, it wasn't stressful, but it was a, it was a serious kind of, holy crap, this is what I'm doing now, right now in this moment. I'm looking after Yuji Naka. What the hell is going on with me? Um, so, you know, the it was just uh, copious amounts of awesome that I don't think I'll ever get to experience again on, on any kind of other level. But it was, it, I'll always treasure it. And there were, there were so, just so many moments from that year when he turned up that, that are so memorable to me. Uh, I mean, there's obviously the, the, um, the on-stage interview, which... Uh, not only had I never met Izuka-san before, I'd never met, obviously met Yuji Naka before, um, and it was just, here I am interviewing these two on stage for like two times in the day, in a really boiling hot room, might, I might add, which oh, wasn't God, our yeah. fault, again, wasn't our fault, it just happened that way, unfortunately. Really sorry for everyone in 2011 and 2012 who thought it was really hot, by the way, wasn't our fault. Um, and 2010, <laughs> people, by the way. Um, the Oh yeah, we always got places with air conditioning and they always happen to have some reason for breaking on the <laughs> all, day that we all, decided all we were going to do the event. Well, I was out lie and say that they had it and didn't. Yeah, what, there's, there's a reason. Bush. Yeah, there's a special there's a special story behind 2010 really with the venue. Yeah. But with, when That's, it comes to the on never, stage, should we never go there? Should we just not go there? I don't th- I don't <laughs> think it's there anymore. Um, uh, thankfully, I think someone figured it out. But um, the, what, the, you mean, the holes in the floor that led to the electrical wiring that we had to cover uh, up with bits oh, yeah. and bobs. Exactly. Yeah. Insane. Um, but that year was was trippy because I was kind of like here I am, I was a games journalist at the time, so I was like, here I am, on various levels I have to get this right, because I get the questions right as well, uh, and have asked the right questions, because from a personal perspective, I was like, these are my heroes, I can't mess this up. On a professional level at the time, because I was a games journalist, I was like, i got to ask some really good questions and get something out of this. And then there was just like this weird moment where I looked at the audience and there was a sea of people and they were looking at me and I'm sure this wasn't the case but I got this really paranoid kind of moment where I thought that everyone was looking at me kind of like sternly going you better ask some really bloody good questions or I was going to mess you up after the show so there was that as why well. are they so all cockney? because you know it's, just, it, it's in <laughs> London so it's London, just the way um, but it was it was great um, Nakasan was professional to the max uh, he was he knew exactly how to play the audience um and ask, answer the right questions the right way. Um, not to say that he held anything back. I think he was very honest. Um, but he knew how to get, uh, you know, how to... He knew his audience, let's put it that way. I mean, there was there was a question that I'll always remember where I asked him about um, uh, stuff that... Uh, oh, what was it? The barrel from Sonic 3. I think that was one of the, the questions that I'd always... I think it was probably my favourite question. I asked him about the barrel in Sonic 3 and... Uh, because Zuka-san was a level designer in Sonic 3, and Naka-san was obviously lead programmer. So those were the two perfect people to ask about this particular thing. And I said to them, I think the question was, do you know how many kids' lives you ruined by including that barrel? <laughs> uh, and the whole crowd erupted with laughter. And 
Izuka-san basically passed the buck in typical fashion. He was like, long story short, no, that wasn't me. And everyone was like, oh, cop out. And he was like, no, actually, it was uh, it was the main um, the main level designer, Yasuhara's son, who everyone credits as a god. And, I'm, you know, I've yet to meet him, but he sounds like an amazing guy as well, and I'd love to meet him one day. Um, and everyone was like, oh, really? And then Naka-san went and took the question and went, actually... Um, I was responsible for, uh, you know, I was lead programmer. I was responsible for coding that entire level. So uh, on behalf of the Sonic team and everyone at that time, I sincerely apologize. And everyone just went, yes, yes, perfect answer. Thank you, Mr. Nakasan-based God. And uh, and he just basically took the question and was like, I'll take the hit for this one, Izuka. It's okay. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. Um, one of the questions I asked was... Um, he just opened up on so many different levels. I think some of the guys from Sonic Retro brought in um, one of the um, old, uh, like, beta kind of um, design um, pictures, which was of Sonic, and it had uh, his his intentional girlfriend at the time, Madonna, um, the blonde chick who was supposed to be, like, the Princess Peach of the Sonic game, which ended up being canned for better in my opinion but for better or worse um, and I remember seeing this picture and I was like I'm going to ask that question it's such a great question and um, Izuka uh, uh, no not Izuka uh, I asked Naka about it and um, Naka-san was a bit cons- confused because obviously translation kind of issues and stuff and I was like oh god I really hope you know I should have printed out this picture of Sonic and Madonna and all these like bizarre uh, not quite bad nicks that never quite made the game and uh, someone from the person who actually asked the question from Sonic Retro was in the audience and had the printout to hand and was like waving it in the audience. And I was like, "Yes, I love you. Thank you." Picked up the picture, <laughs> gave it to Nakasan, and he was inspecting it. And it was like, "Ah, oh. so you see, with this particular character here, this became Eggman. This particular character <laughs> here was going to be this, but it never quite worked out." And he was going into it in such depth. Wow. And, um yeah, and it was such a great moment, and uh, I think the Sonic Retro guys loved it too. He ended up signing that picture, and I made sure that the, the picture went back to them, uh, the people who handed it. So that's that's a bit of a rarity as well. Um, but there was there was a moment where, um, I think during one of the interviews, I wasn't aware of it, but a lot of the staff were, there was, um, there was a girl that uh, fainted, because uh, I think it was a combination of heat, um, there were so many people in a room, and I think it must have been a bit starstruck with the whole, uh, you know, Naka and Izuka thing being there at the same time. And she it collapsed. <laughs> it was, I think it was the heat, but she collapsed. And um, one of the things I met, remember was after uh, the interview had wrapped up, we went backstage, and um, someone from uh, the venue staff had. Um, alerted me that they'd taken this girl uh, around the side uh, kind of backstage in a stairwell area and her friends were there and they were like just let you know this has happened is that okay like you know obviously they're not going anywhere near the green room so I was like no that's fine is she alright and she went no she she collapsed she had a bit of a panic attack or something and um, I was like this is really bad Um, and she went do you think one of the guests would be able to kind of see her and make sure she's alright and I said well that's a great idea Nakasan was just tapping away on his phone at the time and uh, I looked over and he was literally two feet away from me. I was like, should I? Should I? I was like, yeah, go on. It can't hurt. So I went, oh, Nakasan. And he was like, hmm? I was like, oh, there's a, would you mind coming with me for a second? There's someone who's quite, quite ill. And like Izuka-san, I think he understands English. I don't think he, I don't know if he can speak it very well, but uh, certainly like most Japanese people, I uh, don't think they're very confident with their English skills to really speak it, um, at least in conversation. So 
But they do understand um, it. But they did understand it, or at least he understood what I was saying. So he went to the stairwell area, and there was... Uh, he followed me, right? And he... I don't know if he was quite sure what was going on, but... Um, I went to this girl and I said, like, are you all right? And um, her friend was like, oh, yeah, she just had a bit of a thing. And Nakasam just popped around his head around the door, went to the stairwell and said, oh, uh, are you okay in English? And this girl, I think, bless her, she was trying really hard not to have, like, another, <laughs> another, like, another swooning attack or something because she was, like, so overcome by the fact that Nakasam had come over just to see her. And I thought that was just such a great moment, you know, oh. like... Uh, by and large, um, I know we've been banging on about guests for like the best part of three hours now, but <laughs> by and large, I think they all understood uh, the importance of um, connecting with their fans on a very personal level. And uh, each one of them has like so many stories, whether it's June meeting up with the fans at any given moment that you can find, uh, Johnny just wisecracking with the audience and knowing what's up, um, you know... Uh, the Nakasan and uh, you know connecting with fans, Azuka-san wisecracking. It's just everyone is just really appreciative of it, and it blows our mind consistently every year when we say to Sega, "Can we have this person?" They're like, "Yeah, all right," and it's like, "Holy <laughs> hell!" So yeah, it's just a really, really great, great element to the to the show. Which you know what, I don't think Summer of Sonic. I think. In my mind, when we started Summer of Sonic, it wasn't the plan, you know, it was never the plan to have, you know, Sega entrenched in it, it was never the plan to have, you know, the celebs in it, or have, like, these awesome music concerts. They're icing on the cake to, to sound like, you know, a bit of a dick about it, but on the other hand, it's really great to have these guys, because it adds another element that the fans can really enjoy, but also, it adds so much for the creators as well and they, they're unaware that there's this side of the world that loves their brands and their, the, the games they work on so much and it's uh, it's a beautiful feeling really uh, at the end of the day yeah that's def- definitely yeah I'm sorry that, that Eugene next story about him uh, him like going up to that girl is pretty, it's pretty it's quite I don't know I'm quite impressed by that actually I think there are loads yeah yeah, there are loads of stories, and he's quite—he's quite a revered man. I mean, you could see amongst the the, the Japanese staff who were there that he was revered. But he—he he, he got Kevin aside and Sven aside and myself aside, and he, he was saying to us, you know, it's amazing that we can come to these things. And it's just a, through the translator was basically saying that he'd been saying, you know, events like this are amazing, and that he's very honoured that we're that you know we're keeping something alive in that sense yeah something that he did 20 years ago and well for, for Nagasan is something that he's not involved in anymore really and yet people still want you know to celebrate something that he's done and that must it's, it's quite resounding for people like that as well as to ourselves obviously we were stood there sort of mouths aghast going oh Nagasan so but it was it was it, it, I think it was humbling for everyone I think that's yeah. what what makes it such a special day or what made that event such a special day yeah we we, we had a joke uh, we, like Adam myself and uh, a couple of others had a, a special five minutes with uh, with Nakasan after 2011 before they left and uh, I made a, a bit of a wisecrack about him saying oh uh, oh, you know maybe because he was very humble about it as well like Adam said he was like you know I, I know I don't have an awful lot to do with Sonic these days but it's still very close to my heart so thank you so much for creating this and making it what it is I'm really appreciative of the opportunity and I said look you're my hero so <laughs> dude like you're, you're fantastic um, and I made this joke about oh you know um, 
maybe you should uh, you should come back. I'll uh, I'll make a. Oh, maybe he made the joke. I can't remember. But it, we we joked about doing a, a summer of Sky of Rodea, which was the game he was working on on the Wii at that time, which was like a crossover between Knights and and Burning Rangers, I think. But he was like he was like, oh, that's a good idea. You should do that. You should do a summer of Sky of Rodea. Um, he still hasn't finished the game, so I'm kind of like. I'm gonna make it. So, <laughs> but yeah, lovely man, lovely man, and all of them, all of the guests are just fantastic people, and I would very, very gladly have a beer with each and every single one of them. Brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we should probably move on to another question. Yes, yeah, please. I was actually gonna. Uh, uh, there's other questions I really want to ask you guys, but we actually have to probably cut towards the end of the actual interview because. No. Maybe maybe we can get together again and do like an uncut or something. No, I think oh, we'd dude. have to. We're gonna have to, man, because uh, I I could ask you so many more questions about the, this whole event. Cause some of Sonic's so good. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I haven't been to the last few, but I've been to most of them, which I, I love. Um, oh dear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I guess really like was like the future of uh, Summer of Sonic. Um, it's been going on for the last few years. Um, they, uh, I guess, Sven and Kevin, you've sort of taken a step back essentially. Um, Rory and uh, Adam have kind of stepped up. I mean, what does the future hold for Summer of Sonic? Have you guys got exciting plans? Um, is there anything like something in the future you'd love to actually happen? Or can you tell us anything about the future of Summer of Sonic? Well, I'll tell you what I'm most excited about is that the, the more time goes on, the more we're seeing that, you know, this, this phenomenon that is Summer of Sonic isn't remaining confined to Summer of Sonic. Uh, the US have had their first convent well, first fan convention in Sonic Revolution. And I think that's, that's happening this, again this year. They've already true, but, yeah. yeah, they had one last year and this year they've got oh, yeah. I think they've got Tommy Tallarico coming to yeah. see them that Tommy Tallarico worked on, Earthworm Jim, in amongst many other things. And a Sonic game as well, Sonic Black Knight you also Black worked Knight. on. Um, there's a event that happened in uh, Western Supermare as well, which is Western Supersonic. I think there's a there's a regular London Sonic meet. There's various things popping up in the states. And I, I I personally think you know, regardless of what what Supersonic's got to hold, there's a, there's a whole other generation of fans now. I mean, this is the thing we're getting we're getting old now. I mean, I've got greys in my beard and it's <laughs> getting on the poor side of thirty now, but. And I think it's great that, that it's sort of this evolution now that it's not that fans are wanting to to, to, to not just meet for once a year. It, it is a social event. It's not so much about the games anymore, although that remains a big part of mm. for a lot of fans. It, it's about the social event. It's about coming along, having a joke on with your friends, doing yes. some doodles and things like that. So I, I think it's there's, there's potential to expand an infinite number of dimensions and I think that's what's the most exciting part about Summer of Sonic is that it could go in any direction in any, in any way in any time until some, until nobody wants to talk about or play Sonic anymore <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I'd particularly like is um, a meet up you know because us, us guys we we meet up uh, there's the Sonic London meet ups there's you know as you say all of these other meet ups in Western Supermare etc um, in the UK specifically, obviously there's a lot more uh, outside of the UK. Uh, it would be great for us guys just because we we m mostly meet up nowadays for Summer of Sonic, um, <laughs> because there's a lot of that. There's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot that you know we have to deal with with Summer of Sonic in order to get it to go ahead. Uh, it, I'm, I'm, I'd 
looking forward to being able to go to an event where all four of us are there um <coughs> just chilling <laughs> for once <Yeah. laughs> you know not not sitting there going well you know what should we do with summer of sonic instead we just literally just go there and go fuck it bevy all right mate you know just do nothing summer of sonic related <laughs> and just chill uh that that would be something that because obviously we used to do that all the time before summer of sonic and uh it's something that's very much it, there's nothing stopping us doing it again especially um you know I've, I, especially me, I, I've had you know money problems which have now ended. So I have the ability to see people. So uh, <laughs> that should be a bit of a joy. Um, yeah. Uh, as as regards to sort of future plans for Summer of Sonic, um, there's things that we'd like to see. We'll go with things that we'd like to see. Uh, we we've always wanted to do a show that folk or a, a Summer of Sonic event. That focused on the um, voice actors, oh um, yeah, and, and for for one reason or another, um, sometimes uh, Sega regulations or or other things, we've never been able to do so, uh, and uh, we we that's something that we've always wanted to do, and that's something we've always wanted to do a focus on. Um, so much so, uh, I mean, it's not due to lack of interest from the voice actors either. Um, we had. Um, Oh, how can his name have gone out of my brain? Uh, guy does the voice of Robotnik. Um, Mike Pollock. Mike Pollock, jeez. Uh, yeah, Mike Pollock came over in 2011 um, by himself, on, you know, just to see the event because he couldn't. He couldn't be there as part of Sega's. Um, so it's you know. It, it, it's something that we've always wanted to do and just to showcase all the voice actors but uh, unfortunately as so far that's something that we've been unable to do uh, something that hopefully we can do in future but it, again it all comes down to different Sega regs and uh, who's available mm. yeah that that Mike story is uh, is a funny one actually because I remember me and Kevin <laughs> talking about it and we were just like we we had to get Mike over like there was no doubt about it and um, there was some uh, kind of reason that you know we couldn't get uh, voice actors over. So we, what we decided was, um, like Mike could come along, um, but uh, we basically uh, paid for him to come along, and it was quite joyous, really. Like he um, he mingled with the fans and stuff, um, but by and large, like that was always the plan, but. It never really fell through somehow, and for some bizarre reason, we wanted to approach him, but we never could. And by the end of it, he just ended up turning up, and we were like, "What?" So <laughs> even though that was our plan to try and get him over, and we couldn't, and we didn't, he was there, and we we're like, "How the hell did how the hell did he turn up?" So we were kind of like mentioning, like I think Kevin and I at the beginning of the day, we were talking about. Uh, oh, you know, Mike Pollock and you know Dr. Eggman and stuff. And everyone was like, hey! And some people had clocked him in the audience, but me and Kevin didn't see him. And we were like, why are people getting so weird about it? And then we bumped into him and we were like, what the hell? <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a funny little story, really. Um, but he yeah. As well. Yeah, it was just... Yeah. He brought books. I think the reason, the reason, I think the reason that he had, uh, I think, I think, I don't know if this is true or not, but the reason that he said is that he was selling a book. Um, but I honestly think that he was coming over because he wanted to come and see us. But who knows? Um, it's a long the, way to travel to sell a book. 
I think I think the uh, as Rory was saying, really, and Adam was saying, actually more what Rory was saying, the 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 kind of beautiful irony about Summer of Sonic is that we made the event to make new friends. Like we did it as a to sound selfish about it, we wanted to make new friends. We were, we were like, let's make new friends, just like the pub thing years ago. Yeah. And now it's got to the point where we're we're too busy looking after everything to do with the event that it's kind of like, well, um, like how how do we find time to make new friends now? We still meet loads <laughs> of people, but we we don't spend the time nearly the amount of time we we used to with uh with the with the fans that turn up. But we do it for the greater good, really, because other people use Summer of Sonic as a platform to make new friends. Like one of the mm. one of the most endearing things that anyone's ever said to me about the event was, um, you know, when meeting people who turn up, they were like, oh, "It's my first time here." Uh, I wasn't going to come originally because, uh, you know, no one was going to come with me and, um, you know, but thank you so much for the event. I was like, oh, I'm glad you had a good time. And, yeah, I, I walked in with with no friends and I came out at the end of the day with 10 new best friends. And that's the sort of stuff, that's the sort of stuff that gets me. And that's the reason why uh, we always want to do it for as long as we are able to do it. Um, can, I tell, can I tell an anecdote, my favourite Summer Sonic anecdote? <laughs> I've tried, I've tried to keep off my anecdotes this evening, but my favourite one was 2012. There's been a, a young little girl who came and performed every year called um, Katie Katsaros, and she usually came accompanied with her mum, and in 2012 she came with her dad, and she ran up to me in, during the show and gave us a big hug, and then it was her dad was stood behind, and he went, oh, I'm Doug, nice to meet you, and you know, and it's just like, hang on, there's a, there's a name there that I know, and it was Doug Katsaros, and Doug Katsaros is the composer on just about every classic 90s cartoon you can think of. <laughs> Take it, Boogie O'Hare, he did everything. Anyway, he got he got talking, and he said, you know what, this is this is all Katie talks about for two months is Summer of Sonic. And he says, you know, she, I'm, I'm sure she won't mind us saying this, but you know, she says, oh, you know, school's not great, she doesn't enjoy it, but she says... Since for two months I don't need to worry about this because she's thinking about Summer Sonic and meeting all the people that you're going to see and I just thought, what a wonderful karmic circle where, you know something mm. that Doug produced when he was little, because I was a huge Book Your Hair fan so I, I instantly lost the plot when I figured out who it was <laughs> you know, somebody, somebody who you know, so, in, you know gave me so many hours of pleasure as a youngster inspired me, probably I mean that probably had something to do with why I like Sonic you know you know, I then went on to do this, and now it's something that is, you know, ins inspiring and entertaining his daughter. And I just thought there's some wonderful karmic circle there that's been completed. Yeah. And I think that's what that's what makes it for me. And I know it's it's a horrible, you know, well, it's not a hor it's not a horrible day, but it's a it's a tiring experience. Everyone in this chat will mm. agree with me when they say that it's utterly exhausting. But yeah, it's kind yeah. of it's kind of at the end of the day, you know, you don't care because you know you've got a thousand smiling faces looking back at you, and that's what yeah. gives me my motivation every year. And I, in the run-up to it, every year I'm like, right, this is the last one. Um, this is this is killing me. And then the day comes, and it's just this absolutely euphoric, magical day, and you just yeah. and, then, and then you finish it, and you're like, yeah, let's do one more. <laughs> that, that cycle's been going for about for over five years, I think, really. So. That's the thing. I mean, we we do Summer of Sonic to uh, to allow other people to meet up because we thought there was no platform for it, and there wasn't at the time. 
but as Adam said, there's now uh, it's now starting to grow. There's the London meetups. There's Sonic Western Supermare. There's um, there's a Sonic Revolution in the US, and then obviously there's Sonic Boom as well. So um, it's basically it's really nice to see things grow like that, and not to have. I mean, the, the, like I said, the original point of Summer of Sonic wasn't to get Sega massively entrenched in it. It wasn't to become like the one and only. So, in that sense, we start. We we, we feel like we started something that I I personally feel that other people should should take as uh, some kind of inspiration. Right? The idea behind Summer of Sonic wasn't to be here's the event, the one event every year. Come here, enjoy it. Jun um, <laughs> Basically, the the idea behind the event was, you know, make friends at Summer of Sonic. Like I said before, like, you know, as much as we love all the guests and all the games and stuff, I would happily have Summer of Sonic in just an empty warehouse room for like ten hours and just go like, there's nothing here. Just make friends, have a pint, have a bar, because I like drinking. But I have a bar there. But um, you know, I'd quite happily do that because that's 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 the focus point that's everyone making friends and you know make friends then go out and meet up with meet up with your friends that you've made at summer of sonic you know if you feel like that there's enough people in your local community have your own version of summer of sonic don't call it summer of sonic but make your own kind of local version of it or something and um and really continue the spirit of uh of what summer of sonic is or you know even just what not even what Summer of Sonic is, but what the Sonic community is like. This group of people that you know like the same kind of subject matter um, are you know very social people, and you know just you know if you want to expand your circle of friends, then there's no better way to do it. Um, it's I'm not saying everyone should hire a massive hall for X amount of money every year. Um, but you know, it all Summer of Sonic, like most things, it all starts with a small idea. It started for us in a pub in London. It started off with twenty people meeting up because some dude from Australia was coming over, and we wanted to meet up with him. Um, it can be that as well. So for pe- anyone wanting to start their own, you know, event or something like that, like the Western Supersonic, like that's there's a, there's a bunch of people that go there. And that's cool. Um, and you know, they get their, they get like, um, they get a space for it, which is awesome. And by hook or by crook, you can just, you can get the smallest space or the biggest space. It doesn't matter as long as you have somewhere where people, like a neutral space where people can go and make friends. Then it's all gravy, you know. And um, like an open air concert or something. That's the next thing, isn't it? You know, sort of. Yeah, my, my advice for anyone would be, uh, if you want to do one, like, make sure Aircon exists. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know I know, I know, we're running out of time to talk about anecdotes, but we have so many things to talk about on that one. Like, it's unbelievable. Um, so I won't go into it. But yeah, the, the long and short of it is, every year, as Adam said, we kind of keep going. We don't go away hating it, but we go away thinking, you know, that was we we really would like to be in the in the audience kind of position uh, next yeah. year or whatever. But we but we also kind of come away with it thinking we really accomplished a lot. Like we really did feel like we we service a lot of fans in some respects, and we did a good job. So every year we kind of think, how can we make it better, or what can we do? Um, but even before that, the question and everyone asks me, Rory, Adam, Kevin, they always ask. Every year, will there be another one next year? And 
it's never always set in stone. Every single year, is all, the answer to that question has always been, we'll see what which way the wind blows, because mm. it's always, it's always like Adam said, it's, it's tiring for us, but at the same time, it's also incredibly rewarding. So the first question we always ask is, do we even have the time to do this? Because, you know, Sega's very much involved, but, you know, Summer of Sonic isn't Summer of Sonic without the fans interacting and involvement. And at Sega in Europe... Um, really, really understand that now uh, more than ever. So um, there's a really beautiful balance there, which um, which I think we've got the right sweet spot at. I think, and um, but really the question comes down to can we do it? And then if we can do it, in terms of our workloads, our work lives, and everything else, the next question is awesome. What can we do? Um, and then it just rolls on from there, really. So um, yeah, it's a very broad answer to your question, I suppose, but. <laughs> There you go. Uh, very good as well. Yeah, um, I have to, uh, I have to say, you've, I know we're sort of running out of time for anecdotes, but what you said about how knackering is for you guys. Um, hopefully, Kev won't mind me saying this, but I think it was after the 2011 show, I actually did see him literally pass out, and yeah. um, I was actually quite worried about him because um, yeah, I think it was your fiance at the time. Um, who um, it was the 2010 show. Was it 2010? Sorry, um, sorry. I oh. for for a, a while this isn't that much of a secret. Um, something. Long story short, I was attacked in on my 25th birthday. Oh, it was And somebody um, very kindly uh, decided they were going to use my head as a football for a while. Which was fine, and then I came back from the. Um, if, if you remember, outrun the, outrun the rest, the competition we did for, um, outrun online arcade. Oh yeah. Uh, we came back from Italy on the trip, and everything was fine right up until the. Uh, we're getting way off track, and I do apologize, but it kind of explains stuff. Um, and I, we we, dis- we sort of descended very rapidly, and something there, just went. And I don't know, I, I have never been in such pain in my life, and there was just, like, stuff coming out of my eye, liquid, and, and all sorts, and like, and it was such pain, I couldn't actually talk, or cry out for help, or anything, and, um, yeah, it, it ended up that I, for a very long time, and still do, although to a much lesser extent, that I'm, it was really debilitating for me, and it, it was a really weird situation because it only happened when I was at rest most of the time. Um, I, I was getting all sorts of like attacks, and um, I, I was blacking out, and I was just all sorts, just in absolute agony. And it just so happened that after, I mean, it was pretty bad in 2010. Uh, point of view, point, and yeah, it was just came. Kind of, I have no idea how the hell I was going that day. But yeah, just twenty ten, and I just I remember sort of there was a, a white sofa thing. Yeah. And yeah. I remember I remember just sort of like going, it's, it's over now. That, that that's great." And something in my brain just went, "It's great, excellent. You can die now." And it's like, oh. um, and I remember because Sven came over. I, I Sven said something to me that was that was very nice, but I couldn't. I, cause I, I, that was the thing, I, I was unconscious but I was still conscious at the same time it was really weird and I know that Spencer, and Sven sort of collapsed nearby me as well I think 
And then, and then Elson came along and started taking photos. Taking <laughs> <laughs> like, photos of you know the guy that's the guy that's blacked out. <laughs> and it was my um, my then wife uh, Becky Echo Hawk who came along and basically told him if he didn't sling his hook, she was going to sling a hook at him. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean it was and SOS is very. Debilitating for, for all of us in in various ways. Big, I mean, um, even when you're running, it, it was a little strength. bit difficult because there was just the added stress of just you know, the, the job and the responsibility stuff on there. But you know, I I, I, I after 2011's one, it was kind of 2011's one was the first one I properly enjoyed, um, <laughs> and it was the first one I was able to walk out of. That was the thing because I was never able to really attend any of the after events um, really. But yeah, I mean, it is it is a, a huge thing for for all of us, and there is this sense of you riding this wave of adrenaline forever and ever, and then just afterwards, it's sort of just this. this, this, this <laughs> <laughs> then you pick yourself up again and go, okay, where do we go from here? Yeah. Um, there we go. Man, that's that's brilliant. Um, I think we're pretty much going to have to almost wrap up the actual interview and probably the show very quickly, but. I'm such an idiot. I, feel, I was meant to mention this at the very start of the show, and I didn't. Part of the reason why we had you guys on the show, and we've been trying to actually get you guys on the show for the last few weeks, really, since this happened, was partly because you guys are Guinness World Record holders, essentially, aren't you? Um, I kind of yes. wish I'd actually prepared you because I was going to get you guys to put, bring up your stuff with you. But uh, has Kev got something there? I don't know. Or... Give me a sec. Oh, man, I've never seen one of five. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Now I want one. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. Remind everybody what exactly is the Guinness World Record that you guys are actually holding at the moment. Well, yeah. so, air conditioning for a convention. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, uh, this was something that uh, I think Kevin and I had tried to get off the ground from the very first Summer <laughs> Sonic. Um, funny enough. Uh, and it would have been most appropriate as well because in 2008, we actually had someone from Guinness come over um, to adjudicate the Sonic 2 speed run yeah, uh, that we had. Yeah. There we go. Uh, beautiful thing. Um, so basically. Uh, while the Guinness World Record guy was there in 08, um, I, me and Kev casually went up to the guy and we said, look, um, would there be a chance of slotting us in the next Guinness World Record edition, gamers edition, because you're doing the Sonic 2 thing, um, how about this? And his response was, uh, no, not really, we don't do that sort of thing because um, it's a bit of a bit of a too niche of a, of a record. Uh, I think what we were asking for was uh, what we actually got just there, which is... Um, was it uh, first uh, convention, um, first official convention made in the honor of a of a single video game character? Because um, it kind of was on the on the grand scale of things. I know there were other kind of uh, meetups in Russia and elsewhere in the world beforehand, uh, but I think Summer of Sonic was uh, the first the one that convention. caught the attention of uh, of Sega's eye at the very least. So that was our position, and um, they were like, no, it's too niche for concept. This was the same year, by the way, uh, and I'm not being bitter about it, but this was the same year that uh, they gave, uh, um, I think it was Rocksteady Games, uh, a Guinness World Record for um, best ever game featuring Batman. So I'm like, well, if that's that... <laughs> 
that's quite niche in itself, uh, I think. Yeah, but, it's not really a record that you can break either. No, it's like best best Batman game featuring Batman is a Batman game. Oh, that's a surprise. So there was that. So we left it alone for many years, and to be honest, we kind of resigned ourselves to the fact that we were going to just do the best we could. It was never a glory-chasing thing, but we thought since the Guinness guy was there, we thought we might as well ask, don't ask, don't get, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine my surprise. Um... No, no mention or no word from anyone at Guinness or anything like that. Sega hadn't even been contacted, from what I understand. But um, there was this, uh, there was a, a, I think it was a Mashable article that I, uh, that I found in January this year, and it was down to uh, for my sins. I did something of a vanity Google search for Summer of Sonic, and um, found this article quite near the top, and because it, it was recent, and I was like, well, why is this uh, Mashable article? And it was like. The, the article was called Top 14 uh, New uh, Gaming Guinness World Records. And in the little description thing that Google has, uh, it said Summer of Sonic dot dot dot. And I was like, what the hell? So I clicked <laughs> on it. And uh, there was no image or anything, uh, no screen grab. But it was it, this article just claimed that we had won this record. And um, I went to Twitter immediately and went... Um, does anyone have the latest Guinness World Record book? Because apparently we're in it. And um, someone had quite kindly taken a, a photo of the, the actual mention of us. Rory. Rory Beth, yeah. Um, not Rory Beth, that's not her name, but her, her nickname's Rory. Um, <laughs> she took a photo of it and sent it to us. And we were like, holy hell, we need to get on it. So I got in touch with Kevin and, uh, yeah, got, we got the, uh, the certificate sorted. And um, there's now, hopefully, if they actually... You know, got on on it um most of the the uh guys who volunteered who work so hard every year on summer mm-hmm. sonic they now have their version of that certificate so it's a uh, really really gratifying to get after all these years i think it really kind of says loads about the event and how hard we all worked to make it what it is today i think as should soe and soj because uh, we we arranged for a, a copy of it to be sent to them, although we've not heard anything back from them. So I hope, it, <laughs> I hope they did get it. Yeah. But um, yeah, we we wanted to make sure that they got something as well, just to sort of as a, a thank you from us from their from their support over the years. So they'll they've got a copy of of that uh, of that certificate with them now as well. Yeah. Well. For, for... From like a fan perspective, guys, I mean, I think it's well well deserved. Uh, you guys have done an amazing job with the show, as I've been to most of them, and I've just, I've, to be honest, I've been blown away each each and every year. Uh, it's just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's what you guys have been doing is fantastic. I just want to, yeah, congratulate you really, and say uh, well done, we? really. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah I'm I'm going to be the first one to say, guys, we need to have a pub meet up. Just, just no SOS. Just a pub meetup. <laughs> Don't just say it on shout. here. Don't say it on I'm... here because everyone will want to come and it will be like SOS. I'm... <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I, I, I don't mind if other people are there as so long as we're all here. Than the Houston Flyer, which I don't think. Houston yeah. Flyer. We need to go back with to the, With the best will in the world to every, all the Sonic fans in the world, I don't want to be responsible for a thousand people in a pub. <laughs> no, no, it's like, in a, it's not like in a pub, you, Sven. If you Houston meet, Flyer. It's a pub. If you, meet, if you meet me in a pub, you know, all bets are off. You uh, you look after yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but I'll buy you a drink. <laughs> all of them? 
not and, all of them. I think, I think also <laughs> you <go> bankrupt. <laughs> you did very briefly touch on uh, just touch on it. Uh, one of one of you did. Um, it's not just uh, you. You four are like pretty much instrumental in, in SOS. But as you mentioned, there's there's loads of other people behind the scenes, and I've seen them well, at the shows. I've seen them running around and stuff, and. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you guys want to give a shout out to any of them at all, but uh, I'd also no. like to no. acknowledge them too. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love them all very much. They, they've been uh, a key part of making the entire thing operate. Like, without them, there wouldn't be a Summer of Sonic, um, just as much as there wouldn't be a Summer of Sonic without us four. Like, it, it's a team effort, really. Um, now, I would love to do shout outs but at risk of missing anyone out that's the, you know someone's going to have my balls if uh, if I miss <laughs> anyone out but I just want to say off the top of my head Pete Graham John uh oh my god I'm running out of names already Andrew Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Phil Jamie Dave Ian Ian, Ian. <laughs> Ian very integral tech guy um and everyone else and Lewis like Lewis, Lewis, Lewis mate cuz like Sonic's there, and then I'm like, Lewis, stay, because Sonic's going to be coming, and then Lewis goes away, and then Sonic comes, and it's just like, he's never there, he's never there when Sonic comes around. Do you, know what I think it, do you know what I think it is? I think Lewis actually has, like, a direct line on his mobile phone to Sonic, and he actually has to go out to get reception so that he can call Sonic and get him over. <laughs> I and think it, they've fallen out. I think Sonic slept with Lewis's last girlfriend, and now they no longer talk. <laughs> <laughs> so he he just does whatever he can to avoid him. Who else we got? Sven, don't pull the Leonardo on me for crying out loud. <laughs> there's loads of people who work. This is the thing. There's loads of people who like sort of work backstage. So we've got DJs like John, Chris, um, Gavi, Gavi, yeah, um, Nina. Graham. Graham. Yeah, we've got Golden guys Graham. on the doors. They do a good job. JJ. JJ. JJ, um, over the years, um, Josh Earthyard has been very, very yeah, key Andy. in that. Andy as well. Andy. So, yeah, there's every single um, area of Summer of Sonic uh, involves a hell of a lot of people and. Uh, very very sorry if we can't remember everyone's names because there's there's lots of names but uh, and even like we always, we already uh, we always have like people who just do it spot us for like the year as well who don't like they were only like with us for like one year because they really want to contribute but then like it's too much for them to obviously do it year on year so there's there's many people we're obviously um, not mentioning here because that um, time and stuff but we um, we really appreciate everybody uh, who's ever contributed to um, to Summer Sonic and will do in the future. So it's um, yeah, all great guys. Brilliant. I'll have a beer with all of them, and I will buy them all a beer. So wow, uh, <laughs> fantastic. Not you though, Rory. God damn it. <laughs> uh, well, is there anything you guys would like to add or say about Summer Sonic or anything at all? Um, I don't know. Like, do you want to do any shout outs at all for the, as we wrap up? Summer Sonic Rocks, woo! <laughs> well, that's Rory. <laughs> I thought I'd be, I thought I'd be the American uh, college uh, sports team. You know, like the guy from uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure when they come right oh, at the yeah. end, when they're going to yeah. do their, when they're going to do their uh, final history presentation. And the guy before him is just this dude, this jock with, uh, like, you know, who obviously plays for sports. So he's sitting there going. 
future is uh, unknown. Computers, you know. <laughs> and then like everyone just watched him, like, <laughs> and then he just goes, "Send him some school run." Oh god. Um, I'll let I'll let the others uh, do their thing before I say anything, but. I've done my bit. <laughs> um, I don't quite know what to say, really. I Adam, have you got anything to say? Speak from your heart, Kevin. I'll, I'll speak. Uh, it's been such an experience for me from not really being a part of the community to all of a sudden being flung into a part of the community. And I sort of treat... I mean, Sven, Kevin and Rory are three of what I'd say are my best friends now really. So I mean out of that the sort of the friendships forged in fire really because the <laughs> super Sonic you've gotta be friends or else not you know yeah. nothing else. So, and my axe to quote Soul Calibur, yeah, their friendship will never <laughs> die. <laughs> but it is, it's, I mean, they're, they're three of pe the people that I've met. And this is, as we've said several times in the interview, you know, this is what it's about. Mm. Making friends and playing Sonic. I have to agree. That That's why I, I miss just meeting up for a pub chat or just going around somewhere just to meet up and just focusing on Summer of Sonic because we are... And as as Adam said, you have to be such good friends in order to make Summer of Sonic happen as a team. Um, and we are we we are like that because you just can't be not that way that close. Um, yeah, you guys will rock. As to, as do everyone that helps out. But you know, you you three guys are amazing. And uh... I think what I could probably say is um, it was a great privilege and honour to work with these guys um, at, with Summer of Sonic and to help create something that is is just so much bigger than we ever thought it, it would go um, it's, I mean from my point of view it's a shame that I, I just can't be involved anymore but um, it's, it's a joy to see it Live on and progress, and I'll I'll always be in the background, like some sort of rickety, judgmental old granddad, just sort of just keeping an eye on it from a distance, and just making sure that everything that uh, <laughs> going okay for everybody. But I I for, um, generations. <laughs> <laughs> we, you can be the yeah. uh, you can be the ghostly Obi Wan Kenobi that stands in the background on the on the cover. If well, Summer that, Sonic was well, a that film, was, that was the joke. What people were saying at SOS Twelve was that I was going to be like up in the in the rafters of the <laughs> event, just like cackling and mad. I always meant hung. Like a big uh, pipe organ down in the basement. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fans of the VSMS. King of the yeah. Ring on your pipe organ. So. <laughs> I liked I liked the imaginable flattering kind of take on things. I <laughs> oh, you're lame. Kevin the Hunchback of SOS or something. It's not very the nice. Ring, the Ring Defender. <laughs> uh, well, from my point of view, um, Summer of Sonic is something that I'll always treasure. Like, I'll always. Uh, it would always be kind of one of the greatest things I've ever done. Uh, I've met so many people, people who've come to the event and really enjoyed it. Um, I made so many like good friends, as Adam said. I consider everyone who's involved as some of my closest friends. Um, I'm very, very grateful for 
the really hard work done um, at Sega, whether it was Kevin uh, pushing the actual concept of the event to uh, the higher-ups, um, and in recent years, um, you know, a couple of people uh, that were involved uh, actually appeared on uh, various SOS-related documentary videos as well. Uh, Kerry Rizzo, um, Dave Corliss, um, they, these kind of people uh, are all, um, we're all very grateful for the, the time and the effort that they've, they've brought to the event and the organisational side. Um, and obviously as well, Sonic Team as well, uh, in Japan uh, and employees past, present uh, and future hopefully. Um, you know, Nakasan, incredibly indebted to his time, um, Izuka-san, Sonoi-san, Johnny Gioelli, uh, Nigel Kitchen, Nigel Dobbin, Lee Brotherton, Richard Jakes, of course. Um, so many, uh, you know, Hoshino-san, so many guests that we've had that we're so grateful for them to dedicate their own time to. Uh, you know, there's the argument that they, you know, they enjoyed it too and stuff and they're more than happy to do it, but doesn't negate the fact that we were more than honoured to have them be involved with the whole operation. Um, and of course, the whole thing wouldn't have even happened if it wasn't for the fact that the Sonic fan base is as is as tight as it is in general. Like, um, I've been in the online Sonic community since I was 15 years old. That probably makes me quite an aged member of the community, <laughs> and I don't quite, you know, I it's, I don't know if it's something I should be proud of or something, but I am. Yay! I am. It's um, you know, from the Sonic Stadium to the initial Summer of Sonic version to what it is today as a convention to Sega Sonic Radio and all the other stuff. I'm just been blessed with being able to do something that I think people enjoy um, and the takeaway of it is this was never, none of the things that I, Rory, Adam, Kevin do is, is always been for the community, it's never been for like the betterment of us as is, as is shown by the amount of work we put into it every year um, it's all for you know, just the community and making sure that everyone can make friends and you know get along and stuff so to see Summer of Sonic um, not become the one and only one stop shop for this sort of thing and seeing it evolve into other events that other people are kicking off around the world is is something that really humbles me as well and it really makes me happy that this is still something going on and um, yeah and yeah I just have all the feels right now so it's uh <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great thing. So shout out to everyone and everyone, just because it, all seven billion people in the world, you're you're rad. I love you all. <laughs> oh man, even Kim Jong Un. Well, you know, maybe. Well, damn, you're making up scandals for me now. This isn't Robert, fair. About Vladimir Putin. <laughs> God damn it! I knew I should have kept my mouth shut. <laughs> Thanks, guys, you dicks. <laughs> oh, that's what we're for. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant, guys. Um, yeah, I think we're. I think I think I probably just about do it now. Uh, oh, yeah, about three hours this show's gone on for. That's I warned you. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. We've completely <laughs> no, hijacked we your show. We loved it. You, I think you it was really guys. Sunday, yeah. where I am. It's <laughs> already Sunday, where I am. Yeah. Take right. a rest. It's God's day. <laughs> Doesn't stop uh, me. I'll be bloody working. Stupid shop. And uh, 
Oh, Chris, unfortunately, Chris had to actually step out. He's, I don't know if you can see on the camera, he had to step out. He actually had guests coming over. We didn't realise how long the show was going to go on for, but he said, he's also thanking you guys for coming on the show. Um, yeah, it's been brilliant. Um, Cop K, do you have anything to say? You've been very yeah, quiet this whole time. I have a question. Uh, I'm sorry if it takes uh, a little bit longer. Uh, I just want to ask uh, um, if uh, the Summer of Sonic is, uh, how do you say that word in English? Um, like uh, self business right now because you said you you were placing your own money on the first ones and I just wanted to ask you if it's if it's already works on its own to the point that you don't have to invest in it anymore like it just works out uh, the well the way it works initially it was just we were flinging our money at a wall well I was flinging most of my money at a wall and seeing yeah, if, if it's stuck uh, and everyone chipped in their, their share. Um, Kevin, everyone... well, I think, it was, I think at some point there was somebody from every corner of Summer Sonic just throwing money at the event. Not really for, I mean, it was Sven paid for the venue the first year, as he said, he sort of sacrificed his holiday. But I think as the years got on, it was kind of like less, people wanted to put money, it was less we need to have fine money and more people going, you know what, I really want to pay for this prize for this competition. Or, you know what we need from venue? Ten hermit crabs. Let's go and some people around. So let's not talk to... about the hermit crabs and how badly that fell on its face. Do <laughs> you know how long it took me to find those freaking things? <laughs> Ten of these. Oh, God. But yeah, we, we all of us put a substantial amount of money to it <laughs> among the years. And... Uh, I don't know if the question is, did we make money off of it? The answer is no. Uh, it's always been a philanthropic kind of operation. But if the question is more, um, you know, do we do we still pay for it or fund it ourselves? Uh, the answer is also uh, no, uh, thankfully, because uh, the partnership we've had with Sega over the last couple of years has, um, you know, allowed us to take some of the strain off because the Summer of Sonic has obviously got bigger. Uh, costs have kind of exploded on that front, so this is so why it's I worth always mentioning we do pay for our own travel and hotel, so we're not getting yeah, paid even by expenses. That's our own choice. Mm. Um, but you know, I'm just saying we don't get paid that bit, so we actually don't get paid anything. We do this because I, we I, really I want to. Out, I, that I never did either. No, no, the whole point is that we all did it for the love of the show, mm. not for. But it's as Sven says, Sega paid for a lot of stuff, but we have companies like First for Figures who are donating uh, statues to give away as prizes. Uh, we had a charity there last year, Special Effect, um, and a lot of people sort of very kindly donated a lot of money to that. I mean, we made a lot of money for a charity mm. like that. And it's a case where I don't think anybody's ever made a penny off Summer of Sonic, but why would you want to? <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, 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 no, I wasn't afraid of that. I was asking more in that the point to the band, like just the stands on itself right now, it, it, to the point that you just announced it and it works on its own. So I was, my question was more about that. But, oh, but right. Uh, it, 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 it doesn't work. Turn. It doesn't work on its own, independent of us or independent of Sega. It, it's it's still a collaborative effort. Okay. Yeah, I think that's Wait, about the best way of summing it up. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Cool. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think I think that will dashy just about do it right now. Um, I yeah, have one, again, I, have, I have one request to make. 
Ooh. Chris Powell, the American dude who's disappeared now. Mm -hmm. Nerd! Because he's got it on his shelf. Um, I want his nomad. Send me his nomad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. He, he, I tell you, I could go very, very quickly go over that. He only got that a few weeks ago, and I think he only paid $30 for it or something. Hate Can we all request something from his shelf that we want? Yes! Um, I want the nomad. <laughs> Same on, let me. Want. I, I can't see all the stuff. Hang on, let me click on his screen. I want to see. That chair looks really comfy. Can I have that? Yeah, okay. Adam gets the chair. Yeah. Is that because you've already got everything on that shelf, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> so, someone explain to me, please, the naked Alex kid. But why Why not? Uh, yeah, that is, that is very strange. Ex ex someone explain. <laughs> <laughs> um, He's not there to do so. <laughs> is that, that's actually... Oh, what are they call Those little bead things that you sort of make. Um, hammer. Yeah, that could be it. Um, that's I wonder why I know about hammer beads. <laughs> there's actually a model that Chris Chris actually made, but he got it from somewhere else. I can't remember where he got it from, but it is, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> is, that a, is that a PS4 game of something next to his chair? It's like an orange box or something. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, it looks like a Vita game. It's like, you know those nature programs where you're waiting for something to emerge from a nest? It's like, are also, you know, you sit online waiting for them to sort of emerge from his burrow or something. Ben, Kevin, you've yet to claim something from his room. Do you know what? I'm I'm curious as to what that thing is on the on the top right. It looks like a looks like a, a figure of some sort. It looks like a disfigured alien thing. I want that. Oh, I have no idea what that is actually. I don't know what it is, yeah. and I don't care. I just it looks like an ant. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, you, you you must claim something. Um, I, I claim. Well, you've had the Nomad, haven't you? Uh, yes, I have. Sorry, dude. Okay. <laughs> I, I claim the actual shelving unit itself. <laughs> but yeah. A, because I could do with some furniture, and, and B, I honestly think that it would cause the most fuss. <laughs> You're right. You are right. That looks by like by asking for the shelving cool. unit, you, you you don't automatically get everything that's on it. Oh, by no, the no, way. no, no, no. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> I, I, I'd quite like the shelving unit. It would be very useful for me. Yeah. Oh man, I'm quite disappointed. No one's actually said they wanted the Sega Nerd like coaster oh, in the corner. We've all claimed part of your furniture, so you have to send this to us through the post. We were actually uh, watching okay. the show upstairs, so. All oh, right. <laughs> all of Chris's guests have gone home now. It's now 8 p.m. and it's. Uh... <laughs> man, that's I will uh, be sure to send everything you guys called for. Yeah. <laughs> can you okay, can you tell me what that thing is in the corner? The green that tree, thing. The tree thing. It's is that a tree beard. thing? Tree beard. Yeah. 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 Wow. It was. There we go. So when can Sven expect delivery? Uh, it might take a couple of weeks. We got Mary and Pippin in it too. Oh, hey. wicked. I'll Sven, be honest. You don't, you don't get them, Sven. They're oh. Yeah, I'll be me. I'll be honest. I'm not really bothered. I just want it. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin wants your whole shelving unit, by the way. Yeah. So you get you gotta find some new shelving for yourself. Uh, yeah, speaking of which, I just bought shelves. some more shelves. Uh, actually, I had to buy this up. I went to Home Depot today. Uh, I bought just like a big piece of raw wood that I have to cut up uh, because you guys look. Um, I'm missing some some shelving down here. Uh, so, yeah. I need some Dude. 
They have an awesome collection of stuff. Uh, it's only because Graham has yelled at me uh, throughout the years because I keep selling off my stuff, yeah. and now I, he's uh, yelling at me so that I won't buy it. Nearly at one point, I had almost the entire U.S. Uh, uh, collection of Dreamcast games, uh, and I had to sell them all off. Um, so I'm slowly working my way back up. <laughs> I saw upset when he did that. Yeah. <laughs> this has been the most uh, epically long podcast thing we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. Uh, and, like, we, and we cut it short. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, we had been going, uh, like I said, I've been upstairs kind of watching the show and everything. So, um, But I'm now coming down here so uh, we can act, end it because I think I'm the one who has to actually stop the broadcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we want to thank you guys for coming on the show. It was a really, really big honor to have you guys on. I think uh, everyone in the community is really looking forward to, to hearing more uh, about Summer Sonic and uh, your guys' plans uh, in the future and have some of the beginnings and things. So I'm glad you guys were able to come on, and uh, I hope that we can do it again and have you guys yeah, back. Definitely. That would be great. More than happy to come back. I'll talk the arse of a donkey, so if you want another five-hour show, then whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for us, right, Graham? Yeah. And congratulations again on the world record, because that's awesome. I think it's pretty yeah. Thank you. By the way, can I just say, you have a lovely radio voice. Graham? Me? Yeah, or... Graham. Both oh. of you, I suppose, but Graham sounds like he belongs on Radio 2. He looks like he's on. Should be on radio as well. <laughs> well, thank you. That's that's actually a massive compliment to me. <laughs> thank you. Can, can, can you can you can you just do a like a a segue part that you know they do as a radio two DJ from like say going from the news to the weather? Can you just read? Can you just ad lib something for us, Graham? Oh my god, <laughs> that's not me under pressure. Oh my god. Uh, and now to Rory with the news. Thanks, Tom. No, okay. Hey, Graham, really quickly, uh, give him the uh, Texas accent, because that's always a good one. Uh, Which accent? That he has a great Texas accent that he likes to do. Do I? Oh, God. Do uh, it. Howdy, <laughs> all! Oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. All right, if we're going to do accents... If we're going to do accents, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to bosh out the Herbert the Pedophile accent. Please don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the groans! Come on, guys! I spent three months perfecting this accent. I won't why? ask why. <laughs> oh, come on! You were doing it across Japan with me. What? Remember when we went to Japan? Both of us were doing the accent around Japan. I think we're gonna need to hear it now. Come on! <laughs> I seriously am confused. What? Hang on a sec. You remember this, Fed? Don't bollocks. You, we were going to the Tokyo Tower, we were both using the Herbert the Pedophile voice from... Pandemia. I'm not bollocks, what, what, I don't understand. Need to whack my whistle. Oh god. <laughs> hey there, big martial arms. Oh, oh him, from Family Guy. That's what yeah. I said. Yeah, but you just said, like, Family Guy hasn't been relevant for like 10,000 years, so yeah. you say Herbert the Pedophile, what am I supposed to think? <laughs> Are you a given tree So Summer of Sonic was great. Tree? Yeah, <laughs> awesome. All right, I think that's gonna do it for us, guys. So uh, great show. We'll have you go on again, absolutely. Uh, and hope everyone. That guy creeps me out so much. <laughs> well, I'll just say it's been. Um, yeah, shut up, bro. <laughs> it's been. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be on here, and uh, yeah. 
That's going to do it for us. Uh, everyone have a good uh, week, and we'll see yeah. you next time. Take it easy. Love you, Muffins. Bye, everybody. Bye, bye. Bye. Is it?